The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. It is Thursday, September 19th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, in these times, writer Miles Conflassen is back, union man and pension guru Jeff Johnson of IBEW Local 9, and we welcome David Feller and Illinois State Rep Jamie Andrade. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Benny J. Benjarovsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Family Friendly Thursday. And here's why. First of all, before I get down to that, great news, everybody. I brought my newspapers. <laughs> That's correct. Remember yesterday I forgot my newspapers? I was like, oh, my newspapers. I need my newspapers. D, what's it with me and newspapers, all right? <laughs> I've been trying to figure that out that for years. I love newspapers. And all the millennials make fun of me. Oh, man, they're so old-fashioned. And yet I love them. I got, look at all the newspapers. I got a Tribune. I got two Sun-Times. I got a New York Times. And my beloved reader just came out. So I got newspapers everywhere. But I brought them yesterday. I forgot them today. I brought them. Everything's good in the world. And what did I discover in the newspaper? Well, this is what I want to talk about. Reefergate. <laughs> my beloved cool. right one, home delivered as always, Chicago Sun-Times, has a, a update on Reefergate. I talked about it yesterday. I may be the only person in the city of Chicago talking about Reefergate, uh, D, and this has to do with the decision by the city of Chicago, the uh, Lightfoot administration, not to allow cannabis dispensaries. How about that? That's what you call it, D, cannabis. Not reefer, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's cannabis, okay? That's what the grown-ups call it. Grown-ups call it cannabis. Remember Kelly Cassidy, Ben, I don't call it reefer. Call it cannabis, okay. More likely to pass if people think of it as cannabis. Anyway, as you all know, everybody, the state of Illinois, in its infinite wisdom, passed a law uh, allowing people to buy reefer, recreational reefer, all right? Just, you don't have to have a medical excuse. You could just go buy it. So now the decision is which towns will uh, permit reefer stores in there, and where will they put them in there? It's a big issue. Didn't, was it Naperville that voted no? I believe what so. What about Naperville? Oh, we need more study. Um... <laughs> Hmm. Naperville, thinking about it, okay. That's your decision, Naperville. Good for you guys. You're really cautious. Anyway, equally cautious is uh, Lori Lightfoot. And yesterday we talked about this. There was a story in the Sun-Times, I believe Fran Spielman wrote it, that said the city had created something called exclusion zones, D. And then the exclusion zone was pretty much the downtown loop area, and the city was not going to allow reefer dispensaries there. I'm like, why? What would they care? Well, today there was an explanation. Good. All right? So good for the Sun-Times. They followed up on the story. I guess I'm not the only one who cares about this. Yeah. Uh, Lori Lightfoot explained, here you go, <clears throat> that uh, she thinks the downtown area is incredibly important to the hotel and tourism industry and she wants them to remain quote family friendly all right 
So huh, let me think about this for a while. So she is suggesting that somehow or other, a tourist who come to the city of Chicago will be shocked, outraged, stunned, I tell <gasps> you, by a marijuana store. You know, it's like the kid will be like, Daddy, what's that? Oh, no, close his eyes, close his ears. It's a marijuana store. First of all, it's just a store. I mean, it's not like, it's not going to be like in Venice Beach. But the first time I went to Venice Beach, which is a beach in California, hence the name Venice Beach, there was a guy in um, green medical scrubs who was standing on the boardwalk going, hey, man, the doctor's in. In other words, this is back before it was uh, legal in California. But this, there was a doctor who had an office on the Venice Beach boardwalk. If you went in, he would like give you some really short examination and come to the conclusion that you needed marijuana. What kind of shady business. <laughs> Are you up to? Hey man, I went in. I the guy goes, do you, uh, do you suffer from any depression? Yeah, I got the blues. Bing, here you go. And then he gives you like a prescription. You go get it filled up at any drugstore. Get all the reefer you want. But the thing was, it was a guy on the boardwalk in green scrubs. Okay, and let me tell you, Venice Beach is a huge tourist attraction. People call from come from all over the world to go to Venice Beach. Not one of them was turned off by the dude in the green scrubs. But somehow or other, somehow or other, people coming from downstate Illinois are be like, I can't come to Chicago anymore because there's a marijuana store. <gasps> Ooh, marijuana. This is starting to remind me of Rauner. Uh, our old governor, Bruce Rauner, went on that radio show. What's the name of that show, D? Uh, WJPF in Carterville, Illinois, with host Tom Miller. Wow, it's amazing that you know that. That's when Ronner went on, he goes, oh, I'm outraged by legalizing marijuana. I will always be against legalizing marijuana. Because, <laughs> uh, uh. you know, he had come to the conclusion that people in the downstate uh, Illinois were against marijuana, even though, as Dennis has pointed out many times, having come from downstate Illinois, that many, many people uh, smoke reefer. And what's the name of the dude that used to sell you reefer? Uh, the, the cookie, cookie man? man, yeah. Yeah. So and weed I, cookies. And I said this, I believe this, that if I ran for mayor of... Uh, What's the name of that? Carterville. I could probably win by running on a reefer platform. I get a lot of votes. Don't you think they, a lot of people who never vote might sign up and vote for me? Because, you know, here's the thing. Just don't trash Walmart, all right? <laughs> downstate people love Walmart. And who's the other guy I got to love if I'm downstate? Jimmy Buffett. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Buffett. We love Jimmy Buffett. This is a huge raging debate, by the way, in the Ben Jarofsky show between uh, young Dennis and myself as to who is more popular in downstate Illinois, Jimmy Buffett or Bruce Springsteen. I say Bruce Springsteen, Dennis, who actually has lived downstate and has a reason to make We don't get the whole Springsteen thing. I, I still think Bruce Springsteen is probably more popular. Anyway, let's put that all aside. Uh, Lori Lightfoot is coming dangerously close to router country with her declaration that somehow or other it would turn people off uh, if you had a reefer store in downtown Chicago. I, of course, think <laughs> reefer store. you should have them down there because the, that way you get the taxes of people who come into Chicago from like the suburbs that's where they'll buy their reefer or who fly into chicago and are visiting you know i i think it makes sense uh from just you know raising money uh that's which is what we desperately need to do so we don't raise property taxes uh, that's my conclusion my by decision. the way did you mentioned bruce browner yay for our teachers yay for our teachers oh uh, yeah i miss that man so much 
Do you? No. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, there was a funny little uh, quote, a little side quote here in uh, Fran Spielman's story. Looking for some uh, other opinions, she turned to, Fran did, to a gentleman named Michael Jacobson, who's the president and CEO of the Illinois Hotel and Lodging Association, uh, to see what he thought about banning reefer stores from downtown Chicago, right? Okay, you know, she turned to him, get his opinion. I mean, you know, he runs the hotel. Would it help hurt the tourist industry? So uh, this is, uh, <laughs> so just like follow me on this, folks. Uh, so she calls him up. She's, this guy Jacobson uh, is, again, the president of the Illinois Hotel and Lodging Association. So he has to make a decision. Uh, does he stand with like a common sense approach, like the, the one I advocate? <laughs> or is he going to side with the most uh, important and powerful person in the city of Chicago right now, Mayor Lightfoot? Hmm, he's thinking about it. And he comes up with this quote. <clears throat> uh, we don't have a position on where and who should be able to sell marijuana. We're in agreement with Lori Lightfoot that we want Chicago to be popular with visitors, particularly with families. But I can't say that I'm a marijuana expert. This is new to us. In other words, he punted. Well, you're not going to get Pin me down, Franz Spielman. You may try, but I'm going to duck and dodge and avoid that one. I don't have an opinion on that. Huh. Where's the bathroom? I need to go there real quick. <laughs> oh, man. Profiles encouraged there, Jacobson. Way to take the tough stand, all right? I don't know. More study needs to be made under this. Our tourists afraid of reefer shops. You know what kind of reminds me, D? Uh, Judge Cohen. Remember Judge Cohen? We talked about Judge Cohen, distinguished Judge Cohen uh, from the circuit court. I believe court. his mother didn't raise no fool. <laughs> that Judge Cohen. In that case, Judge Cohen had to make a decision. Do I uh, side with a ragtag coalition of activists? who are standing up for poor people, you know, like anybody cares about them in the city of Chicago, and rule to, uh, on their behalf, to keep the Lincoln Yards lawsuit alive? Or do I rule with Mayor Lightfoot and the most powerful developers in the city of Chicago? Hmm, poor people who have no clout. Mayor of the city of Chicago has a lot of clout. Hmm, I'm throwing that lawsuit out. As you recall, Mama Cohen didn't raise no fools. Same thing with Mama Jacobson. All right. She didn't raise any fools either. In the city of Chicago, man, it pays to go along with the mayor. We got a great show today, everybody. Yes, indeed. Miles Conflassen is in the studio in these times, ace reporter. He doesn't just go along with the mayor, D. Uh, we're going to be talking. By the way, Miles and I uh, pretty much like we're, uh, wrote the same column, Rip and Rom. How about that? We can <laughs> big surprise there. And uh, the, 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 the direction he wants to take the Democratic Now you should write an article about the chicken sandwich at Popeye's. Oh, man. Oh, we got it. Thank you for asking me that. I forgot about it. We need an update on chicken gate absolutely miles is the man he knows everything and of course speaking of the man jeff johnson knows absolutely everything about pensions so we're going to bring jeff johnson in at two o'clock love talking politics with jeff johnson union man jeff johnson and then finally at 2 30 uh the political know-it-alls from the northwest side the northwest side political know-it-alls dave feller and state representative uh jamie andrade will be uh in the studio guess what they're going to be talking about d politics 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 and politics awesome all right a lot of political discussion no sports <laughs> oh, i may ask him about the bears <laughs> oh man i bumped into one of the sometimes editors he was weeping he was weeping about mitch trubisky's socks i went, could have told you that anyway no political i mean all political no sports talk <laughs> yeah, right come on, yeah. all right very good and before we get down to any of it the doctor with the news all right, everybody, we begin with what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. More details have emerged from Wednesday's city council meeting, 
We mentioned the harmonious portion of the meeting yesterday. The mayor and her aldermen agreed on scofflaws. <laughs> Excellent. That's good. That's good. That was a important, very, very important decision. Yeah, but it got pretty ugly after that. More yeah. on that in moments. But first, Ben, we need to say congratulations to our good friend and congresswoman, one Lauren Underwood. Congratulations, Lauren Underwood. <laughs> 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 She's moving up in the world. Moving on up. Moving on up. Please stop She's singing. The east side. Underwood has been appointed by and Ben, I beg of you, please do not read us your notebook of love poems about her when I say your name. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> okay. Lauren Wood, uh, Underwood has been appointed by Nancy Pelosi <laughs> to serve on the conference committee of the National Defense Author- uh, Authorization Act. Underwood, who will serve as vice chair on the Committee on Homeland Security, just couldn't help but express her privilege to serve, saying, quote, it's my privilege to serve. Okay. Uh, congratulations, Congresswoman Underwood. Anything else you'd like to say on this? Uh, uh, yes, I'd like to read this new poem I just uh, wrote. Please don't. Nancy Pelosi, roses are red, violets are blue. You're the greatest. I love you. <laughs> he loves Nancy Pelosi, guys. Come on, she's got a hard job, all right, D? Come on, give her a break. I'm not always agree with Nancy Pelosi, that's obvious, but she's got a tough job. She's trying to keep that party together. Not easy thing to do. If dude. you're listening on the live stream, send your messages our <laughs> way, all right? I gotta I have a feeling a few of my uh, good friends out there are gonna burn. In other state news, and because we covered it so extensively on the show, we may as well put a button on it and mention this update. People, the numbers have been totaled. And don't tell the country band Confederate Railroad, but the 2019 Illinois State Fair is the most successful fair in Illinois state history with over $6.5 million in estimated revenue. This year's all-time record exceeds revenue brought in for the 2018 fair by approximately $750,000. Take that, Bruce Rauner! Oh, yeah. And it surpasses the previous record of $6.4 million, which was set in 2013. And, Ben, we have a quote from Governor J.B. Pritzker on the good news. Okay. (laughs) What did J.B. have to say? Governor Pritzker said, quote, I've had more fun at the state fair than almost anything else I've done in the past eight months. Boy, I'd say, because, dude, you almost broke your femur partying so hard. I'm not a perfect person. The quote from Pritzker continues, Uh, and I'm proud that so many families enjoyed everything the fair has to offer, and it's no wonder this fair is one for the history books. Uh, Do they sell uh, marijuana at the state fair? No. No, no marijuana. Let me just say this. Uh, Congratulations, J.B. Pritzker. Uh, By the way, I think it was that butter cow that brought in all that. People want to see that butter cow. Oh, the 2019 (laughs) Illinois State Fair butter cow? It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter. And, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. Oh, 1922. But I love that clip. I love the week goes 1922 anyway so maybe it wasn't the butter cow because that's there every year hmm, more investigation is needed to know why our receipts up uh but you anyway. hear that dan Mialopoulos? let's look into that <laughs> come on danny take the deep dive no anyway i'm really glad the state fair did well i've still never been to a state fair you've been to the state fair d yeah oh, we've yeah. talked about this before yeah, that's all memory that. on our host <laughs> that marijuana is catching up to me uh, let's ban it from the loop bad for memory anyway uh so congratulations uh jb pritzker for doing a great job at the state fair although i have to say right now uh as much as i uh, like the job he's doing 
as governor of the state of Illinois. I do not believe him when he says it's the most fun he's had in eight months going to that state fair. I think there was something else he had more fun doing. Like what? I don't know. He's probably... Um, Let's speculate. Oh, definitely. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> you know he loved that. Okay. How do you know that he loved that? Well, I, I don't know. You don't know his taste in movies. Uh, the other day, you know what he loved? What? He was listening to Steve Miller's Greatest Hits. Okay. Oh. And the Eagles. Awesome. Okay. So, you know, he had more fun. To, and he loves water skiing. Doesn't he water ski? I don't know. I don't, no, no, remember, remember, he, he got in trouble. Speedboat, speedboating. Okay, so he rode his speedboat, and he loves horses. All right. Well, so. you're really downplaying the the fun is at at the state fair. Have you ever had fun at the state? Yes. Okay. The state fair. There's fun. Okay. I went to the one animals? up in Wisconsin. I didn't like it. Going didn't to, like it. It was all too too many animals. Going to other states, <laughs> states fairs. Come on. I've never been to the Illinois. Maybe that next year I'll go. All right. The quote continues from Pritzker, but you get the point. The Illinois State Fair was a, a success. All right. Now let's talk about what went down at that oh, city yeah. council meeting. <laughs> let's get ready to rumble. Holy Lord. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And shine it did. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh, Illinois Politico yes. is calling it her biggest public face-off with members of the city council so far. Mm-hmm. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot called out two aldermen, Anthony Beal, Ben of what ward? Ninth ward. Come on, D. And Ray Lopez of what ward? Fifteenth. All right. He Come co- on. No, no phone. Lightfoot called out those aldermen as being out of order. <laughs> After their opposition to a mayoral appointment and Tuesday's top story locally, when Mayor Lightfoot separately called for a ban on vaping without any public input. So let's unpack the uh, the appointment first. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran the Wall Man Spielman. It started when Beal and Lopez exercised the right of any two aldermen to put off a vote on Lightfoot's appointment of James Ruddick Jr. as an alternate member of the Zoning Board of Appeals that will play a pivotal role in deciding where recreational marijuana can be sold in Chicago. Ben, you were just riffing on that. Yes, absolutely. Let's sell it downtown. Hey, Ruddick, are you listening? Sell it downtown. When Beal rose to explain his decision to hold up the appointment, Lightfoot ruled him out of order because Zoning Committee Chairman Tom Tunney was still reading his committee report, and Franz Bielman killed it on this piece. Go check it out, people. She actually has the verbiage from when it happened here. Lightfoot said calmly to Beal, can you let him finish? I don't believe he's finished, sir. Alderman, please take your seat and let Alderman Tunney finish in. Then you can stand and have your objection. Please, you're out of order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. What? You're out of order. You're out of the whole system's out of order. Name the movie. For uh, 10 trivia Cape points. Cape Fear. I think it's called Justice. Cape Fear. <laughs> I, I like Cape Fear. I've seen both versions of Cape Fear. It was the Robert Mitchum version and the Robert De Niro version. Did you know that? That's correct. Uh, thank you, Mitchum. Uh, 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 Mueller. Uh, Justice for All, I believe, the name of the movie with one Al Pacino. All right. The wait. whole system's out of order. Wait, I'm checking here. Okay. No one cares. All right. <laughs> when Tony was done, Beale accused Ruddick of stating, quote, in his opinion, aldermen were not the voice of their community. A few minutes later, and here comes the vaping part. Alderman Ray Lopez tried but failed to suspend the rules to force an immediate vote on the proposal he introduced Wednesday to ban all e-cigarettes and liquid nicotine products in Chicago. Once again, Lightfoot banged the gavel and ruled Lopez out of order, this time on grounds that the matter had not been approved by committee and that without 48 hours notice, a vote would violate the Open Meetings Act. 
And, well, now for the issue you just cannot escape when covering a Mayor Lightfoot City Council story. Aldermanic prerogative. Mm. Lightfoot went on to say Lopez and Beale, quote, have been very vociferous in their objection to banning and ending aldermanic prerogative. They've clearly decided what they're going to do is try to resurrect that by making appointees swear an oath to them as aldermen. We're not going to have a backdoor to aldermanic prerogative, said Lori Lightfoot. After the meeting, Alderman Ray Lopez said about Lightfoot, quote, if she does not resolve her interactions with Alderman, it will ultimately lead to greater tension come budget when the hard decisions happen. This isn't just about prerogative. This is her overall dealings with Alderman. Assuming that sending us an email means we're in support of what you're doing, that's not how you work with us. If you take us as an afterthought, that's a dictatorship. <laughs> Beal noted a silent majority of his colleagues are, quote, extremely fed up with not having a voice because Lightfoot is trying to suppress them. This is the beginning of the budget season, and we're going to see what happens, said Beal. All right, Ben Jarofsky, your thoughts. And as Fran Spielman poses the question, was it a feeble and failed attempt to stir up trouble by Mayor Lightfoot's two most outspoken critics, or does it signal a broader city council rebellion. Uh, let me think. I have to figure out the, what's the yes and the no. Yes, no. All right? Yes, no. I think I got that right. Uh, all right, so here's the deal, folks. It's one of my favorite. I think I'm going to write a column about this next week. It's one of my favorite Do topics. it. Do it. <laughs> Alderman and prerogative. Wow. Mm. Where do we start? You know, and everybody wants to believe in Alderman and prerogative. You know what I'm saying? Even people on the left, people on the right, Alderman and prerogative. Alderman, it, it kind of indi indicates how people in the city of Chicago will grab a hold of something and not let go until the very end. Okay, that's city of Chicago. Like, that's sort of like the concept you need a tough mayor. All right? I know I'm on a tangent here, D. We need a tough mayor. City of Chicago, we're going to elect a tough mayor because we need a tough mayor to handle tough things. So, you know, these, these, temperamental bullies you know what i mean so that they get it locked in their head that's what we need in the city of chicago that's how chicagoans are they get locked into things they can't let go all right alderman and prerogative folks there's two issues with alderman and prerogatives alderman and prerogative is a political tool and alderman and prerogative as a real issue as a political tool it's a great tool and i understand why Lori lightfoot is wielding it so much people don't like their alderman which is really weird. I mean, they might like their literal alderman because the guy t does a favor for them, gets them a garbage can or something. But the concept of an alderman, they don't like. All right. So if she stands up, as she always does, and says, I'm against alderman and prerogative, I'm going to rein in these these aldermen. Everyone in the city of Chicago, yeah, right on. Uh, lefties, righties, yeah, man, we're all for getting rid of alderman and prerogative. And then there's reality. It's a made-up issue. Aldermen don't have clout in the city of Chicago. Clout resides with the mayor. This very, this very showdown indicates that, okay? The old boy who was up that uh, Mayor Lightfoot uh, has appointed or uh, nominated for the zoning committee. Uh, what's his, I can't find his name. Doesn't Burdick? really, what's that? Is it like Burdick? Yeah, Ruddick. It doesn't Ruddick, matter what Ruddick, his name David is. Ruddick. If you get nominated by the mayor, uh, any mayor, to be on anybody, essentially you've sworn an oath of allegiance to that mayor. That's that's what it's all about, folks, in the city of Chicago. Your first allegiance is to the mayor of the city of Chicago. That's a tradition that's been passed on from Daddy Daly to Baby Daly to Rahm and now to Lori Lightfoot, okay? So one of the things you have to swear an oath on if you're going to be an appointee by Lori Lightfoot is that you must be against the notion of alderman and prerogative. So... 
Roddick, when he's asked, are you for or against Alderman and prerogative? He says, I just think Alderman should just be one more voice in the chorus before we make a decision. All right. So right there, that indicates that it's not aldermen who run the show. It's mayors who run the show. Five years ago, if you had a, if Ruddick or anybody was being put up by Mayor Rahm, where they allowed aldermen to have a greater say in zoning uh, in their local wards, whoever the appointee was up would have said, I think aldermen should have a say. Mayor changes, their opinion changes. That's how it goes in the city of Chicago. It's the mayor who drives the bus, not the aldermen. But everybody's like, oh, we're against Alderman and prerogative. I'm against mayoral prerogative. Mayors have too much power. I can't think of one decision in the city council. And folks, I urge absolutely everybody to send it in, in which aldermen rallied around a local alderman in the face of opposition from the mayor and outvoted the mayor. Can't think of one. You know why? Because they don't exist. Know why? Because this is a made-up issue. You know why? Because it's easier to pound away at the pinata of a made-up issue like Alderman and Prerogative than deal with something like, oh, the budget deficit, or oh, $1.3 billion to Lincoln Yards, or oh, $1.1 billion to 78. <laughs> easy to solve problems that don't exist. Miles just walked in. He's agreeing with me already. It's easier to solve problems that don't exist than to solve real ones. So, D, do I think the other aldermen are going to stand with Beal and with Lopez? No. Why? Because it's the mayor that drives the bus, not the aldermen. Now, do I think that the other aldermen are sympathetic to Beal and Lopez? Yes, but their conversations are going like this, D. Uh, yeah, Raylo, I'd love to be with you on this one, but uh, I need the mayor's approval for this deal in my ward, so I'm going to have to let you wear the jacket. For, but you're doing a good job. It's like, I know this from firsthand knowledge. All those years in the 90s and the O's when I've been railing and ranting against Daly or Rom and all these... Uh, all, the good liberals of Chicago, Ben, you keep fighting the good fight. I can't join you because I don't want to get the mayor mad at me, but you keep saying what you're saying. So phony issue, Alderman of Prerogative, and you're being taken in as suckers and saps, Chicago, by falling in line oh, behind Jarofsky's on fire today. Miles, I disagree. Cool <laughs> off there, buddy. Also, once again, send uh, your, uh, if you disagree with Ben Jarofsky, send us your mail at uh, BennyJShow at gmail.com, by the way, is our uh, email address. We don't give that out enough. Yeah, BennyJShow at gmail.com, at BennyJShow. Oh, all made a prerogative. It's just like ketchup on hot dogs. One of those phony issues that Chicagoans. <laughs> okay, Jarofsky. Uh, okay. Ketchup on hot dogs. You're doing the ketchup on Okay, we don't want to get anybody too upset here. Miles is outraged by that one. <laughs> Fan. Uh, uh, he's yeah. never been a big ketchup, ketchup fan. fan. But it's not like a Chicago thing. It's like you don't like ketchup and hot dogs. It's not like because you live in Chicago. All right, so there you are. Some uh, updates there on what's going on locally, statewide. Hey, congratulations on that state fair, huh? Oh, I thought you were going to play something. No, no. no. Really, yeah, it's great. We made uh, <laughs> $6.5 million, and uh, the Butter Cow brought it in, and J.B. Pritzker's happy, so I'm happy. And next year, D, I'm going to go to the state fair. Oh, you're, yeah, I was going to say, you're <laughs> lying. Maybe. All right, hey, guys, you can get the inside scoop on all things Chicago Bears this football season Ooh. with the annual Sun-Times Bears magazine. Ben, have you read this thing yet? Yes, I love them. I have it. Of course, I'm a Bears fan. I was a little disappointed that Sun-Times had their big Bears party when we were doing our show. Oh, you know, yeah, I know. I mean, people, like, cheering and laughing. Well, it was and, right before the first game, and they're like, we're going to win yeah. the Super Bowl. Oh, God. 
God, guys, I'm going to just break it down to you. <laughs> the most important position on a football team is quarterback. I hate to be the bear, no pun intended, of bad news, but the Bears have a pretty mediocre quarterback. Hate to say it, but it's true. Yeah, they always have. Uh, dive into features no, of players. The punky QB back in 1985. Oh, Jimmy McMahon. Wow. All, all right, back then. I believe I was two years old. Sid Luckman in 1941 or whatever. Oh all right. God, you have to go all the way back that far. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's sad, but true. Dive into features of players, coaches, yeah. games, and plays, and get excited for the 100th season of football. This collectible magazine is just what you need to get ready for this football season. You can order your copy of the magazine at Sunday suntimes.com forward slash cst shop that's suntimes.com forward slash cst shop don't go anywhere because coming up after this break miles complassen is in the studio okay not seeing the chicken sandwich that's okay (laughs) chicken update one day we'll get a chicken sandwich with the update but that's fine and after this break we're going to talk with them don't go anywhere it's the ben jarofsky show live from the chicago sun times Attention Chicago innovators and creators, 2019 Chicago Ideas Week is coming soon. October 12th through the 17th, this annual Ideas Festival is back, and it's the largest, most affordable Ideas Festival of its kind. They bring in hundreds of thought leaders from around the globe and some local to share ideas and spark action all across Chicago. To get a better idea of what to expect, here's a bit of audio from last year's Chicago Ideas Week with special guest and Chicago comedian Cameron Esposito. Everything that I have ever tried to do has had two motivations. One is I really do believe in trying to create social change. And then the other one is I'm scared and alone too. So I would like for you to join me. You know, every job that I have, I try to make sure to hold the door open. That's like my uh, motto for, for, um, like if I get through, you're coming with me. And I really, I believe in that wholeheartedly. And, uh, especially if I have more privilege than you, like I'm holding the door open for you, um, even wider. October 12th through the 17th, it's 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Tickets go on sale to members on August 22nd and to general public September 10th. Once again, if you're an innovator or creator in the city of Chicago or even outside the city, you must join us for Chicago Ideas Week, October 12th through the 17th. For tickets and event information, head to chicagoideas.com. That's chicagoideas.com. And we hope to see you October 12th through the 17th for 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F-M as in Mary, A-N as in Nancy, 
U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T.com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Miles Komplassen in the studio in these times, columnist, writer, Jacobin writer, columnist, award-winning journalist. But in the Ben Jarofsky Show, the first question anybody ever asks when Miles walks into the room, hey, man, what's going on with that chicken story? Uh, and Miles, of course, just a brief update. You wrote an excellent column. I cannot extol its virtues enough for Jacobin Magazine about the fact that uh, Popeye's uh, is making a fortune with their chicken sandwiches, supposedly so delicious, but not cutting their workers in on the good times. Come on, Popeye's, spread the wealth. Uh, and then, since you wrote that story, it's like the jinx. I can't find that chicken sandwich. It's just as a journalist. <laughs> I want to... F- taste it myself yeah so what's the scoop man could you get this sandwich yes or no well uh, it might surprise some <laughs> listeners to know i do not have an inside line on popeyes <laughs> this guy's like this story man he just won't let it go will you ben <laughs> well my, uh what i have heard though from some people is that there are some locations in chicago where you can still get it i do know that the one on uh, diversity in california that's kind of my go-to popeyes no chicken sandwich nah. still. And yeah. I did actually, I'll go to show, you know, my detractors might say that I have, you know, I'm lifting up Popeye's by, yeah. you know, writing a positive story about the sandwich while criticizing the company. But I went there to try to get it. They were closing up and, you know, this is a situation. It might be, a, you know, a millennial kind of situation, but I, you know, was trying to still get some Popeye's. I knew they didn't have the sandwich, but I wanted to have it anyway. So they said drive through and I was on my bike. And so I tried to go through. They let me order. Once I got to the window, no service because I'm on a bike oh, so they're you know yeah, Whoa, wait, discriminating against uh, know, people that don't drive cars i thought they didn't want people driving cars wait, so i t- try to go through on my bike oh, they say no wait time out let's so if i had an inside line on popeyes i think they would have served me a, a, that, some chicken. Right they didn't give me the chicken i did not is that the is that a policy uh, for all fast food restaurants if you're on a bike you can't go through the drive-thru i guess yeah so. i did it once they they uh, white castle did it once for me in 07 uh, yeah, other, <laughs> remember yeah. Was, i remember the date well <laughs> was the last, have you ever have you tried and been rejected? Uh, yeah, I think that same White Castle two days later, like, yeah, we can't do this, dude. Damn, it's like Matumbo rejected. <laughs> sorry, one guy, I got to give a shout out to a good Samaritan who gave me one time. It was a similar situation was happening at a Wendy's. The Wendy's over on uh, Division and Ashland. And uh, he saw me looking dejected after I got rejected <laughs> from my Wendy's order. He was in a Cadillac and he let me get into the car and drove around. Wow. He'd already gotten his food and he drove wow, around again man. so I could order it. So that, that restored some faith in wow. humanity. That That's was years like, ago. That was like the Larry David episode or a tangent within a tangent. I don't know if either one of you saw it. Oh, yeah. Where uh, he he wanted to take the carpool lane to uh, the Dodgers game, so he pr- picked up a prostitute yeah. and he paid her just to sit with him in the carpool lane. The, yeah. You saw this one? Yeah, that's yeah. hilarious. You see that one, D? It's mm-hmm. hilarious. Maybe the greatest episode of our time. All right, let's get down to business, Miles. Yep. Uh, and um, uh, so let's start with the fact that the two of us, great minds think alike, uh, each wrote columns. 
of a <laughs> blasting Mayor Rahm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, t- I've talked about it on the show here uh, as well. And aside from the fact that uh, he's such an unlikable human being who's now got been positioned by ABC as the sort of the voice of centrist uh, Democrats, what I'm most concerned about, what I wrote in my column, is that um, Democrats should not follow his advice. I think it's like leading us down a path we, I say we, I've always voted Democrat. I call it my beloved Democratic Party, even though I'm usually at odds with them. Uh, but I believe, Miles, that uh, the advice that Rahm Emanuel is offering Democrats uh, is advice that could lead to a guaranteed loss to Donald Trump. Yeah, well, think? I, I think you made the very uh, important point that He's essentially trying to tamper down excitement around uh, the things that are getting people excited this election season, which is uh, the type of big, you know, broad redistributive programs, things like Medicare for all and the Green New Deal that have been getting people out in the streets, that have been getting people, you know, um, knocking on doors to support these types of policies. Instead, what uh, he's proposing is, for one thing, a much more tepid approach to public policy, which would be things like strengthening Obamacare, which is never actually really explained, um, and casting off these more, you know, bold, transformative policies in order to not scare off this mythical, you know, maybe Republican, maybe could turn Democrat voter somewhere in the suburbs of Pennsylvania or something. That's constantly been the um, cudgel that has been used by these centrists to say, nope, don't go too far because you're going to turn off those people. Whereas we can see that there's, you know, as you make the point, there's so many people that don't vote that could be brought into this political process if they saw somebody who represented their, you know, political priorities and goals on the campaign trail. And instead, what Rom seems to be saying and what I pointed out, you know, that if you if you watch the Democratic debate, you saw um during the first break that they had on ABC, they immediately turned to Rahm and they asked him, you know, what do you, what's your takeaway? And he said, well, I think Joe Biden brought a lot of energy. <laughs> That's what he said. I so I don't, I mean, yeah. I, I know I'm not alone. I mean, clearly Joe Biden is still high, high in the polls. Yeah. I'm not saying he's cratering or anything, but it's difficult <laughs> to me, for me to imagine that you look at that and you think anything other than this guy's in the bag for Biden. And it's because his lane has narrowed so much, right? Because yeah. the only top, uh, contenders right now are Warren Sanders and Biden in terms of like consistently polling. Yeah. High. So where else does he have to turn other than to go with Joe? <laughs> uh, it, it, remi- it does kind of remind me of those moments. They're it, dark humor of about like a Yugoslavian. This is way before your time, but like Yugoslavian politicians uh, extolling Tito as the guy was like, like, he was dying. It was a long, slow death. He was very old. He had had amputations. But the, you know, the president is looking in great shape. And uh, yeah, Rom. Now, I putting aside cheerleading uh, for Biden, which I don't mind as much. I'm more concerned that you're. Which, and you put it very well. Like there's issues that in, uh, make voters enthusiastic about how government spends its money and directs its energies and intentions. And the one top of the list is healthcare for all. It is just such a fundamental issue that uh, unites people. I know there's people who are nervous by the, um, what could come from it. I know there, there are some extremists who don't believe government should have a role uh, in uh, healthcare, but I got to believe if you, most people in this country, this Dennis and I talk about this all the time. This is an issue that unites people from Chicago, downstate, etc. And 
it, the ROMs of the world are really trying to drive the Democrats away from that. Who, in your uh, opinion, is sort of winning this battle, that's, uh, this internal battle in the Democratic Party? Well, there's no doubt that the left is winning in the, in the issue of health care. By and large, we can see in polls that show that <clears throat> the 70% of the American public is now on board with universal health care. That includes 83% of Democrats. That's overwhelming. That uh-huh. shows that people are uh, ready for this. That's what they want. And they're sick of ha- half measures that has been consistently what's been offered by the political establishment. Also, we see that even groups like Third Way, which is this corporate funded uh, centrist Democratic think tank that recently it was revealed that the Koch brothers were funding. But this has been one of the uh, key think tanks at the heart of democratic policymaking for decades now. Um, and they're very close with the, you know, Bidens and Ron Manuals of the world that they basically offer these type of, you know, tepid proposals that I've been referencing before about things around, you know, carving around the edges of these policies rather than trying to um, put forward universal ones. Uh, they even now are in support of a public option, which they were not before because of how far the pendulum has, uh, has swung to the left. They're still, I mean, they're they're cynically doing that in order to resist a move towards full universal health care. But even that shows, and Joe Biden is talking about a public option. You know, that couldn't even get passed under Obama because of people like Joe Lieberman, who, you know, did everything in their power as Democrats supposedly to block it from happening. And instead... Um, really solidify this private health insurance market that, as we've seen, does not, there's no way to make a private health insurance company provide health care when their primary motivation is increasing their profits. And that necessarily means to hiking up premiums, hiking up deductibles, you know, while at the same time not allowing care for people that can't afford it. So I think that that's really the core issue here. And there's no doubt in my mind that the Medicare for all argument is a winning argument, but Rahm Emanuel has, he's working for an investment firm. So not, not everybody you know, knows this because it wasn't big news in the papers, but after he left his job as mayor of Chicago, he got three jobs actually. He got a job as a contributing editor the, at The Atlantic where he's writing you know screeds about corporate abuse uh, abuses of elites in American society, which is uh, mind blowing. But then he's got this job at ABC News where he's a contributor and he's giving these tired backward takes about you know the wonders of centrism. The other job he got is an investment bank and that investment bank, he's talked about it. He works directly with uh, clients and a number of the uh, organizations he work f- works for are in the healthcare industry, and they are making money off of this private health system, and they are stand to lose tons of profits from uh, a Medicare for all system that would effectively um, remove that profit motive from uh, providing healthcare to the American people. So he has a you know personal interest and stake in this fight too. It's not just ideology; it also comes down, I think, to um, where he personally stands to. Uh, lose money because Lord knows he made $16 million in just uh, a, a few years when he was an investment banker working with Bruce Rauner, as we know. So, you know, he's, he stands to make tons of money now from this stuff, but he's not going to do that if we implement the type of policies that would provide universal health care to all people. So that's another reason I think it's important for the Democratic Party not to look to him as the, you know, great Absolutely. advice giver. I, I, and, uh, and then there's also the issue, which I can't talk about enough. And it's that their um, Obamacare, as feeble as it is, is under attack by uh, the Trump administration. Uh, uh, 
by uh, Republicans who are go in court trying to rule it unconstitutional, and it may come down to a Supreme Court ruling. And so I can't emphasize enough how important it is for Democrats uh, to to bring that, I, I, if one thing I, I feel the Democrats have been unsuccessful in uh, is articulating this point, putting attention on the, the lawsuit in Texas that's uh, a, just like an existential threat to ha- whatever health care we have in this country. I think politically it's the right thing to do because I think absolutely everybody wants at least Obamacare. Yeah. Uh, and I also just think morally it's the right thing to do because we don't want to have a country where, you know, people have no access to healthcare at all. So yeah, I, I get a little uh, nervous when I see um, folks like Rahm articulating this bizarre Republican view on healthcare while the creation, Obama's a, Obama's a greatest creation uh, is under threat. Yeah, well, and I think that, you know, getting back to what uh, the advice that Rahm initially gave the Sunday before the debate, he was on ABC's This Week, oh, their morning gosh. program. And if you remember, <laughs> what he said there was uh, was a Republican talking point. Uh, it was incredible to hear, but he said 150 million people yeah. will lose your, their health care under Medicare for all. Yeah, it's you know, it's obviously it's not only a blatant cynical lie. It also speaks to the fact that this is, uh, you know, they'll go to any lengths now to use scare tactics. That's basically like death panel talk, you know, which is what the Republicans are supposed to be doing, not the, you know, on that panel, he was supposed to represent the Democrat, the left, you know, he was sitting next to Chris Christie, and yet they were in agreement on that. Of course, Medicare for all expands, not only does it expand healthcare, it makes it a right. It says you get it at the point of service for free. You're not paying anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way it would work is very simple. It would work by expanding Medicare, and it goes over four years. So you, you know, the first year would go down to 55, the next year, 45, 35. So you, you know, bring everybody under a system that's already there. It's not as if we're inventing something completely new. It would just be removing the private market through expanding um, a public program. We've seen that a million times before. I mean, public transit, look at that. That was not always public. We decided that transit was a right that people that lived in a city had to get around. Then they would not have to um, pay up to the money makers to get it. The same should be true with healthcare. So it's so, you know, it's unbelievable to hear somebody who's supposedly the uh, you know spokesperson for the Democrats saying they're going to 150 million people are going to lose their health care when we know that there's 30 million people without health care. There's millions, millions more that are underinsured. It's yeah. incredible. No, I think ABC TV, if you're listening, uh, you could do a better job of having like a balanced panel than having Rahm Emanuel and Chris Christie. If you're going to have Rahm Emanuel, have him with some lefty. If you're going to have Chris Christie, have him some lefty. But don't have two guys who are basically cut from the same cloth. Yeah. You know, it's- and don't mistake what we're saying. Keep Rahm Emanuel. Oh, yeah, we no, need yeah. the content. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, that's the other thing, uh, as I put out in my column. Oh, my God. He's back. I'm back in business. But, all right. Let's get uh, uh, down to shift uh, topics here a little bit and talk about uh, the GM uh, strike, which has been going on since, I want to say, what, I've lost track of Monday. Time. Monday, okay. Well, technically, the end of the day on Sunday. Sunday, yeah. That's where I first saw it. Uh, explain what's going on with GM. Well, this actually links directly to what we were just talking about because there's the news on the strike. So the strike um, began uh, late Sunday night, early Monday morning, um, and it's uh, the biggest uh, strike of its kind in 10 years. There's nearly 50,000 workers right now out on strike. These are GM workers at um, 50 plants uh, that are, you know, 
right now they are living off of $250 a week. That's their off of the strike fund because obviously they're not getting paid while they're on strike. But you know what? They're demanding uh, better wages. They're demanding better working conditions. They're demanding better health care because right now what the GM just did. So GM is a company that made uh, $11 billion in profits Last year, that's a that's billion with a B, uh, <laughs> a billion with a B, which rides with P. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and over the past three years, they made thirty-five billions in profit. So, this is an incredibly profitable company. This is not the same GM that was, you know, in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, on the brink of bankruptcy when they got propped up. When that happened, and back in two thousand seven, they made a number of uh, agreements, um, basically concessions. The workers did to allow it two-tiered system. That basically means that the you know the company can pay different amounts of money depending on people's seniority, where they are in the company. That also, they started to increase their temp workforce. Um, so there's a lot of temp workers working now. Um, and it you know, they, they made a number of concessions that they're now trying to win back. One of the, uh, one of them apparently is reportedly, they don't have, we don't know exactly what is being offered. You know, they're not being totally public with their, um, bargaining right now, but they say they're trying to move up from employees paying around 3% of their healthcare to paying 15% of their healthcare. We know also that employees generally pay upwards of 25% of their salary going into, or their, you know, their, their, income going into healthcare costs. When people like Rahm Emanuel and Joe Biden make a case that y- people want to keep their healthcare and that they get good, you know, they, they love their health insurers, that is, you know, it, it boggles the mind when you think about how much people are already putting of their own money just to keep basic healthcare. Mm. And right now, these workers, these nearly 50,000 workers were just stripped of their health care in a moment because their employer decided you're on strike and we're not going to pay your health care anymore. So, you know, these are people demanding basically better uh, working conditions while their uh, company is making billions of dollars in profits. The CEO is making nearly $22 million a year in salary, mm-hmm. the uh, CEO, Mary Barra. So, you know, there's, they clearly have some money to throw around, yet it's not being distributed to the workers. And as a result, they are being, they were all just stripped of their health care. They're now paying through COBRA because they cannot uh, get employer-sponsored health care, the same type of health care that Ron Manuel and Joe Biden brag is so great and that people want to hold on to. It turns out they can't, and under Medicare for all they could. So that's, I think, an important element of this strike as well. Well, and uh, this gets back to another talking point uh, that has been uh, articulated by some centrist Democrats uh, in these debates, which really infuriates me, and that is that they are standing up for unions when they say they're against uh, Medicare for all because unions have fought hard to negotiate for health care plans. And so they don't want to throw those union uh, members under a bus. As you can see, this is an ongoing <laughs> negotiations. It, your health care plan that your, your, your union negotiates for you is probably only as good as the length of the contract. And then it's subject to more uh, negotiation. Speaking of which, uh, Jeff Johnson has just entered the room. Uh, and so the notion that you're, uh, that, that there's some uh, universal great health care plan that a union-backed uh, labor force has uh, is erroneous. That's only as good as the contract. And generally, the, an employer will try to uh, change the contract at the end of the contract during negotiations to make it more beneficial for him. So I just this notion that somehow or other you're standing up for unions 
by being against a health care plan uh, for union employees is so ridiculous and absurd. I wish Democrats would stop articulating And to me, it. it's such a strange reading of history because this is not, you know, a private uh, employer-sponsored health care is a fairly new phenomenon. Well, I mean, it kind of came to be during World, World War II when there were restrictions on um, negotiating over actual wages. And so the... Uh, primary objects of uh, negotiations became other issues such as health care. And through that, the private, the, the non-unionized workforce tried to follow suit because, as we know, unions set the standard for wages, for working conditions, for benefits, for all of these things. So, you know, the, unions would negotiate better health care plans because they couldn't negotiate over wages. The private workforce would, a non-unionized workforce would follow suit. And that's how we got this system of employer-based healthcare because we didn't, we, you know, Truman tried, and we know that the AMA and all these different groups fought mm-hmm. uh, brutally against a national healthcare system, and so we've been left with this uh, clearly, completely inadequate system for providing healthcare to workers, to all people, and that's what is being defended by somebody like Joe Biden when he says, you know, we can't, we're going to screw over union workers if we implement Medicare for all. No, 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 no. That's not the the, uh, the entire idea of providing healthcare for all people is about saying we are going to take that standard right. and we're going to apply it to all people. And if you look at a plan like Bernie Sanders, Medicare for All plan, it says that any of the cost benefits, so, you know, obviously contracts right now include generous health care benefits, right? And so if that was spread across, the idea is, oh, union members would lose out. Well, uh, you know, there's a um, parts of that legislation that say, no, that the, whatever, you know, em- employees might lose out, that would have to be compensated by the employer to employees in terms of actual benefits to them so that they would not be losing out by a Medicare for all plan being instituted. So there's no way to argue that workers are going to lose out by this plan unless you actually don't <laughs> want to see universal health care. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, there was another article I saw, what was it? I saw in the New York Times, Deep Greenhouse. I may, I don't know if I shared this with you, Miles, uh, but going back to the GM strike, where he was talking about the GM strike uh, is an extension of tactics for the that have been prevalent, well, age-old uh, union tactics, but definitely over the last few years, he was talking about successful teacher strikes have led uh, to the GM strike. Let's talk about that strikes as a, a more and more as a tool and a tactic by the labor movement, which is uh, invigorated in the last few years. Yeah, I think that we're certainly seeing a revitalization of the strike as a weapon that is in labor's toolbox. And I think it relates to the fact that um, we, while the unionization rates are are low, you know, they're around 11% nationally, it's about 7% in the private workforce. Um, The approval of unions is at a 15 year high and, you know, people are more likely to say they wanna join a labor union now than they have in over a decade. So, you know, people, there's there's public support on the side of unions and also strikes strikes beget more strikes. And that's a point that Stephen Greenhouse made and that is just can be seen throughout history when we saw this massive strike wave back in the 30s, you know, 34, that helped lead to there being a Wagner Act, there being NLRA, you know, there would not be the type of labor labor legislation that uh, existed in America for much of the 20th century had it not been for strikes that pressured employers to say, hey, we're going to have to negotiate and change how we interact with our workforce. That I think we're seeing, we're not, you know, at the level of that type of strike wave today, but we have seen in recent years, teachers go on strike, statewide strikes, in some cases, wildcat strikes without, you know, their union's approval. Some of these are ununionized teachers in states like Oklahoma and West Virginia that went on strike and won. They won massive 
benefits for for themselves so other workers see that and they think hell well if they did it you know we could do it too i think that that's true you know we saw earlier last year there was the hotel strikes in chicago here what i think we're also moving towards which is really fascinating is more of a sector-wide approach and i think that's one of the potential things we'll see in the, with the schools here, if the CTU and SEIU 73 both do go on strike, that's a way to pressure multiple employers, but around the same industries to set standards. And I think that that's something we saw with the um, charter school strikes that happened uh, recently as well, was to say, hey, you know, we got to set basic standards. So the charter schools, you know, they got better classroom, uh, you know, resources in their contract. Um, but they also got higher pay because they said, hey, we want to make the same amount a CPS teacher is making. Now CPS teachers are saying, hey, we, you know, we want to get the same classroom standards that these charter school teachers that are also covered under our, our union have. So it's kind of a sector wide uh, tactic and it comes through the strike. And I think that that just goes to show that's the one um, part of what, you know, workers are able to do that they can't be replicated through any other tactic is withholding their labor because it shuts down the production. And we're seeing it at GM. There's, you know, losing $50 million a day. Mm. And yet they're continuing on this pro- to, not to settle this strike because they know they don't want to give their workers more power. Yeah, no. And it's a, a very important issue uh, that the, the workers have, have walked out on. And that is the issue. All right. We make concessions when times were tough. We help save this country, uh, this company. And uh, now the company's benefiting. The time is is it, the time has come to make good yeah. to us. And I, I it's kind of hard for me to argue with that logic. You can't keep asking people to to to, to keep the same concessions they already made. It just if the money's just going, it's not coming to them. It's going to the it's going to the shareholders, the shareholders, it's going to the, the business the, owners, the it's CEO. Going, yeah, and know? the CEO is making you know over twenty million dollars a year. That's a pretty, you know, padded salary for any executive anywhere. And to say that, you know, what people will often say about auto workers is that they make high salaries. And it is true that, you know, a a number of GM workers, uh, a large section of which make about $30 an hour, which is, you know, a a decent salary, but that's not a lap. That's not, that's nowhere near $20 million a year. And it takes about eight years now to get to that point. And you have to go through, you know, training. And many of these employees are hired on first as temps where they're making around $15 an hour. Hour, so about half of that $30 wage. And that's, you know, it's, it's not as if these are, you know, these people are riding yachts around in the, you know, Lake Michigan or something. These are people that are hardworking every day and they are, you know, what they're demanding is basically to have um, better health care and better wages. So I, I think that we will see more of this strike activity as we go forward. There's, they were just, it was just announced recently that Kaiser Permanente, the uh, healthcare industry, over 80,000 workers are set to potentially go on strike in mid-October, which mm. would be the biggest, I think that'd be the biggest strike since the 97 UPS strike. So, um, you know, the, the strikes beget more strikes. People start to see how um, much they can win and how much they'll have the public on their side. I mean, that's the real thing that I think that is the legacy of the 2012 CTU strike is that the, the reason that the teachers won that strike and were able to, you know, uh, hand this huge defeat to Mayor Emanuel was through uh, getting the public on their side and showing that, you know, we're not going to just bow down whenever, you know, you want to make a backroom deal or something. No, we can rally public support. And the public right now is showing that it is more and more on the side of 
striking workers than they are on the side of bosses. All right, very good. Miles Conflassen, thank you so much. Jeff Johnson's on deck. We're going to bring him on. Uh, Miles, before we let you go, one more time, tell people where they can find you, where they can read your uh, your, your articles and your columns, et cetera, and so forth. Um, yeah, please uh, uh, follow In These Times, inthesetimes.com. I have a story up right now on the um, housing plan. I talked about a couple weeks ago here that People's Action put out. Um, it's called Here's the Radical Housing Plan that all 2020 candidates should get behind, and it basically lays out um, the pretty bold, radical uh, proposal for housing. Bernie Sanders recently released his housing platform, was closest thing yet to that, but you know, other candidates are still out there and they could still uh, uh, get on board as well. Um, you can also, I have a my story, No Hugs for Rom is what that column is called. <laughs> it's at Jacobin, so yeah. <laughs> um, feel free to read that. That was, a, you know, kind of, I wrote it the night of the debate. I just had to, you know, I just I to, saw it, yeah. <laughs> I saw it when I was writing mine. I'm like, oh, great minds think alike. Uh, um, so yeah, please yeah. look that out. And, you know, I gotta apologize. I made a poor prediction on the uh, Bears opening game oh about uh, terrible, so man. I, you know, uh, just just know that you know it's, it doesn't all right well like, here you go who, my, who will win monday night bears versus washington i've got no faith in the bears anymore but i do <laughs> <laughs> i do think i do jumped think, off that bandwagon i do like i do like that eddie though He's, oh the kicker yeah yeah the kicker's good too bad he can't play quarterback um yeah. anyway all right miles he jumped off that bad bears are gonna win wednesday you heard it here for uh first folks bears i'm waiting win. for the bulls season to start, oh, i can't wait know. for the bulls my beloved chicago bulls all right thank you very much miles jeff johnson the immortal the legendary jeff johnson on deck we're gonna bring him on when we return this is a awfully big body of water we're looking for a needle in a haystack and we're talking about a needle that moves constantly. He's checked the floating traps he hand curated. Right now is a combination of drumsticks, rats, and uh, smelt. Yum. Well, as far as the gator goes, that's a pretty good offering. We're hoping that the, the wind blowing the scent across the water will catch his attention. We're all speculating on, on whether he grew up in somebody's you know bathtub or backyard or something. He's enjoying the, the five feet of water. He probably was raised in six inches. If we could find the animal, we can capture the animal. Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Get to know your city on one of Chicago Architecture Center's 65 walking tours. Hear the unforgettable secrets and stories behind Chicago architecture from our expert docents. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a tour right now. Oh, wow. Look at that building. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL resident. When you lose a loved one whose wishes were to be cremated, Chicagoland Cremation Options provides your family a dignified and affordable cremation service. Chicagoland Cremation Options helps you bypass the expensive overhead of a funeral home or cemetery by streamlining the cremation directly. It saves you sometimes thousands of dollars. Chicagoland Cremation Options Crematory, just south of O'Hare, five minutes west of Chicago. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. You can find them at ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time, ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. 
arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Ladies and gentlemen, my first guest tonight spent three terms in Congress, two terms as mayor of Chicago, and as the former chief of staff to President Barack Obama. Please welcome to The Late Show, Mayor Rahm Emanuel. What are the stakes at this stage of the campaign? We're still 16 months away from the election. We're still oh, no. six months away from the first primary. What do you think of having debates this early? Is it a good idea? Yeah, I think, first of all, like, take a, take a look at Joe Biden. I think the debates are going to make him a better candidate. And if not, he's not going to be the nominee. But I do think that. And why do you look, think that? Because, because he's got a callus? Because he's getting slapped around out there. But the, 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 he has got. Well, he here's is, a, here's he a way like, they, you know, they like slather him with blood and they throw him into a pit of piranhas out there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that he can't hold his Listen, own. What here, I'm saying is that they are, they are going for him hard. Here's the thing you got to know. Yeah, they are. But that's good for Joe because he has to prove he can take it because it's not like Trump's going to go easy on you. Mm -hmm. And the second is, if you can't handle the campaign, trust me, it's not like it gets easier in the Oval Office. Mm -hmm. okay. okay, so how you campaign is how you govern? Now, if you can't handle the campaign, there's a best preparation because that in the Oval Office, it is all incoming 24-7. I mean, I, Kennedy had this great quote, when you're president, you have to choose between bad and worse. You've got to be able to take it constantly. It's coming at you at every uh, way. You've got to have really an excellent chief of staff, really good chief of staff. That's number one, okay? All right, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, September 19th is just moments away. How about that Mayor Rom clip? What, by the way, Rom, what did you do over the summer? I just biked around Lake Michigan, oh. nearly 1,000 miles. Oh, wow, very impressive. All right, the show's about to start here, but first we need to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two. Let's go. It is Thursday, September 19th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, union man and pension guru Jeff Johnson of the IBEW Local 9 is back. And we welcome David Feller along with Illinois State Rep Jamie Andrade. And now your host, not an Illinois State Rep, <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Jamie Andrade and Dave Feller will be in the studio pretty soon. The Northwest Side political know-it-alls. Can't wait to have them back. It's been a while. Jeff Johnson, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Lane Tech High School in the studio knows more about pensions than anyone alive. I'm going to grill him. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm going to really. We're going to take the deep dive in pensions. Uh, you, uh, you scare me on that. And uh, <laughs> so we got Jeff Johnson sitting there. He's a huge, for some reason I don't understand this, Denver Bronco fan. Yeah. I'm not feeling that at all. I'm a Bears yeah. fan, even though I really frustrated with their quarterback, Jeff. This quarterback thing is 
worse than the pension crisis in the city. Well, that's what, that's what I mean. Bears fans, uh, yeah, you, if you ask their priorities right now, Chicago Bears, crime, pensions. Yeah. Wait, let me, just before we go to, uh, D's got an update, but before we do that, what, you're from Chicago. Boy, you went I'm to Lane Tech. Guy, yeah. what, uh, what, Chicago through and through. Uh, what I think was, uh, as a young age, I was always, if you set up, I'd say down. And my dad was a big Bears fan. And I, if you look at the timing of it, I was probably four or five when Elway was a rookie. I and see. I latched on to the Orange Crush Broncos, and ever since then, I was a season ticket holder for uh, Denver Broncos Whoa. for... F- Wait, you live in Chicago? Six years. You would I'd, commute? I'd go out there on the weekends, uh, before kids, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's insane, yeah. okay? Well, when Southwest was $59 flights each way, you could kind of pull it off. Uh, and, uh, all right, we're not... Dennis always gets mad when we talk sports, but the first time I ever saw Jay Cutler, he was in a Denver Broncos uniform. I was uh, with my friend, and we were actually at the bowling I go, this guy is really good. He was the next Elway until he had, what, it was a losing record uh, his entire pro career. <laughs> he, yeah. was, he was the next Elway until he wasn't until, the next yeah, Elway. Exactly. Uh, there's only one uh, John Elway. And, uh, yeah, I was rooting for Elway in the Super Bowl against the Packers. There you go. Because I cannot stand the Green Bay <laughs> Packers. Uh, but I love you cheeseheads up in Wisconsin. Don't get me wrong in that one. All right, D, what you got for me? I'm more of a Brian Greasy guy myself. There Brian you go. Greasy, wow. <laughs> Wow. Good for knowing that. There's, there's a good chunk of uh, football, like the early 2000s. I know a lot of All right, that. for 10 trivia points, who is Brian Greasy's father? Oh, come on. This is a softball. Oh, uh, Jim Greasy. <laughs> oh, my God. Come on, man. <laughs> Jeff Johnson, take it away, please. Oh, I didn't know the dad's name was Greasy, but I blanked that at Miami Dolphins quarterback. That's correct. Bob Greasy. Bob, uh, there you Played go. his uh, college football at Purdue. Come on, boys. Let's get the game. All right, all right. non-sports fans. Hang tight. Don't tune yeah, out, okay? Just lost all your followers. <laughs> Don't tune out, okay? We got a lot of political 2019 <laughs> stuff right. to talk about, okay? 7.20 a.m. All right, so yesterday uh, it was uh, the city council meeting, and boy, that got ugly. Tonight is Lori Lightfoot <laughs> Budget Town Hall right. number three. Number three. It's going to be at George Washington High School. It starts at 6 p.m. And people, you'd better believe, we'll be covering it on tomorrow's program. I'm going to ask you guys here anything you're expecting from tonight's budget town hall meeting. What am I expecting or, or what do I want? What are you hoping to hear? Uh, Lori Lightfoot stands up and says, I am not going to raise property taxes. Yeah. I'm going to find more progressive forms of revenue. No more property taxes. That is killing people in the city of Chicago, Jeff Johnson. And I know you're in the front lines of this because you got to deal with pensions. But Property taxes are really slamming people hard. And so, wait, she's going to say that, and then she's also going to follow it up with no more tiffs. Yes! Exactly. Oh, man. (laughs) No, man, listen, here's the dilly with the dally with the tiffs. And I've already put this out here. I've said this on the show. I put it in the... Listen, if people aren't going to complain about them, then my advice to Lori is just to create more and then use the money created by the TIFs to pay off the obligations. Mm. If people are going to pretend that it's not a tax hike, Jeff Johnson, if people are just yeah. going to go along with it and then just, and the aldermen are going to go along with it, you know, aldermen will vote for any TIF deal you put in front of them. But if you put a property, if you say, we're going to raise property taxes because we have to pay police and fire pensions. These people are first responders. They stood in the line. They exposed themselves to, to risky situations. So we're going to take care of them. 
by raising your power. Oh no! Mm. There was a, but but if you tell people we're going to create a TIF and it's a magical little tool that won't raise your property taxes, <laughs> oh boy! I'm okay. you know what I'm saying, man. Yeah. So you know what? If we're going to have TIFs, put them to practical use. Create more TIFs. Use the money to pay basic obligate. That is my opinion about TIFs. Now I've like raised the white flag. Yeah, Jeff exactly. Yeah. I can't beat them anymore. But definitely don't throw it away at projects we don't need, gentrifying, already gentrifying neighborhoods. Don't get me started, Jeff Johnson. Uh, anyway, D, uh, that's what I expect. That'll be, by the way, Washington High School, I don't know if you know this, uh, is in the 10th Ward on the far southeast side. And so that's Sue Garza country, our good friend, uh, Alderwoman Sue Garza. Ish will probably be there, uh, who's a frequent uh, guest on the show. Uh, so anyway, be, I'll bet you it'll be an anti-property tax crowd. What do you think? Uh, down there, yeah, exactly. It'll be property taxes and crime. Um, you know, I know some of the past ones, city workers have gotten beat up a little bit, but uh, not too bad, you know. But it'll be the standard, uh, you know, taxes, crime, what can you do for me type thing. Were you at the first one she had in Jefferson No, Park? I was not. Uh, and I, I, I heard mixed things about it, be quite honest. I thought it'd be a lot more favorable crowd, and it uh, wasn't. Uh, it was kind of, seemed like middle-of-the-road crowd. Yeah, favorable. When you say favorable, what do you mean favorable to? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, favorable to, like, city workers yeah. and, like, you know, it's, uh, in that area. And there were some people that got up and said, you know, all city workers should be in 401ks. Can't you just fire them today and stuff like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chicago. <laughs> okay. Just fire them. Just well, fire them. Yeah, yeah, just fire them. Who's going to drive? the trains and buses yeah. all right just fire them. you want water out of your sink i mean yeah <laughs> just fire them man we could save money by firing them uh all right let's start with pensions uh there was a story in yesterday's i guess it was yesterday's uh, i saw it today crane chicago business a little shout out to my old pal greg hines my old poker playing pal we played poker together many years ago greg hines wrote it about the whole issue of pension pension consolidation oh yeah, explain yeah. this one jeff uh, so there's two different things going around and I did see the article and, um, I'm familiar with the state side a little more than like the city ask to it, you know, cause a part of the headline I think was Lori, uh, Lori gets shot down. Um, uh, but the state side is there's a lot of, uh, 650 downstate police and fire pension funds. Um, I think they call them article threes and fours in the state constitution. And what they're talking about doing is consolidating all of them into one big fund. Um, and this is, I I, you know, there's supposed to be a report out end of summer on whether or not it's feasible to do it or et cetera. My very 30,000 foot view on that is that you're going to consolidate all these 650 pension funds. Mm -hmm. And then you just did something to fix pensions and people, the average citizens going to look and go, well, hey, they just fixed pensions. Um, but it's putting perfume on a pig though, because they're going to merge all these pensions and all these individual cities. Uh, where are you from? Alton, Illinois. Alton, Illinois. Mm -hmm. Alton, Illinois is still on the hook for their police and fire pension funds themselves. And so the, they're still going to have to pay. The under the unfunded liability is still there. It's just you go from having little individual ones that are mixed as far as their percentages, all of a sudden to just one big fund and you're still, you know, short. So the important point is by consolidating pensions, they're not uh, – in spending directing state dollars state uh, income tax dollars let's say to uh, fund the pensions you're merely trying to save money in the administration of the pensions yes. by having one oversight and that's what yeah like i said you're saving pennies ultimately and then you get into this weeds of there i know there was another report done if they consolidated these article three and fours, it would take 22 years to recoup your costs of the administrative nightmare that this is going to create 
22 years. Okay. okay. Um, and all these other, all these other uh, yeah. downstate, you know, Peru, Alton, they have uh, like different benefits. They have like the police and fire get hurt a lot on the job. They have disability hearings. They have a lot of different issues uh, amongst these little uh, cities. And now, mind you, some of them are worse problems than other with uh, that. And so that's, like I said, I know more about the state aspect of it. The city aspect, of, there's been some headlines uh, about what the mayor wanted to possibly include Chicago in on this, mm-hmm. um, which I I can't even really speak to about because I honestly don't really know uh, what the idea is, what the thought process is. I mean, my very th- uh, 30,000 foot view on that as well is the Muni Fund's gotten, I think it's 8.3% returns for the last 33 years averaged. You're not going to beat that as far as a, a, a pension fund. It's, uh, the other city funds are the same. We all have our individual uh, state code that governs us mm-hmm. as far as what your benefits are and everything. So you know, the city aspect to it, I... Uh, in other I, words, the city's not even being included in these discussions. No, no. So when they consolidate, when they take uh, 600 pension funds or 650, whatever it is, yeah. and instead of saying we're going to have 650 different uh, oversight bodies, mm-hmm. we're going to have just one, the argument is that you're going to save money on uh, administrative costs. And you're saying that it would take 22 years... Yeah, the, yeah, there was a report on yeah. that be 22 years before you save enough money to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, so, but this is the typical, uh, you know, political trick of look, I did something, <laughs> and yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I don't really know the angle there. You know, no, so, I know uh, this trick. I talked about it earlier in the show before you were here. We'll talk about it later because I'm going to put you on the hot seat and ask you about it. So I was like alderman and prerogative uh, of yeah. all the problems facing the city of Chicago. I don't think alderman and prerogative cracks the top ten. No, Jeff Johnson. It's not. You think of crime. You think of pension obligations. You think of property taxes. Yeah. Just all. Automated prerogative is not on the top. What, what are we talking about? Yeah, exactly. We're solving the problem of automated prerogative. It's like a guy, you know, who's got cancer, but you know what? I'm going to take care of your 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 fingernail, okay? Mm, you know exactly. And so, right. <laughs> so uh, I got a feeling that this consolidating the pension funds thing is another example of that, where yeah. there's a problem right. of trying to find the money to fortify your pensions, make good on the obligations you've been shirking all these years, yeah. and guess what? We're talking consolidation. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, there's more revenue coming in and, you know, with uh, the added revenue from, you know, the casinos with marijuana and possibly the progressive income tax. So, I mean, there's going to be revenue there, but this is not even a Band-Aid. This is like a, you know, here's some tissue paper on your, uh, you know, your amputated arm. <laughs> By the way, you allude to Articles 3 and 4. That's inside lingo. What does that mean? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so in the state, uh, state code for pensions, um, it's all under Article 5. And then all the individual pension funds have articles. So like Article 5, or I should say Article 3 under Section 5, Section 5. Um, Article 3s are downstate police. Don't call me on this, either vice versa. Article 4s are um, downstate fire pension funds. Uh, Chicago Municipal Pension Fund is Article 8. So everything. So if you go on Article 5 state pension code, tap on it, there's this drop down of all these different articles. And then you click on the municipal uh, cities, uh, I think the exact wording is municipal cities with populations over 500,000 mm-hmm. or over 750,000 you click on it and it's from 1 to 243 
of laws that are passed for state code for pensions. And anytime that there's a problem, it's where the benefit uh, structure's in. Anytime there's disability, it's where everything is broken down for everything pension-related past. It's in this, art- it's in this uh, I say book, but it's online, and that's what it, the articles are. And uh, so, by the way, we, I always ask you to do this every time we come to the show, so I'm going to make you do it again. Uh, when we talk about the amount of money that uh, Mayor Lightfoot and the city council are going to have to dedicate this year uh, for pension obligations. How much are we talking about? Okay, here? so there's two different buckets here. You know, I like using different buckets because, you know, it's the city of Chicago. <laughs> this bucket's overflowing, but this one's uh, low, so we'll talk about that one. Um, so for the Chicago Police and Fire Pension Funds, they are owed an additional $289 million that right now has not been found. Got it. Uh, so wow. state state code in uh, the uh, you know Senate bills and state bills that are passed said that in year twenty got it. What, what year are we in? I'm just got I just blanked. Uh, twenty nineteen. So twenty twenty, the city will pay the uh, police and fire two hundred and eighty nine million dollars total, mm-hmm. and it's split up. It's like one hundred and eighty towards police and ninety or whatever it is towards fire, and so uh, they're already getting from the property taxes that have gone up five addition for the five straight years. Police is getting something like around 500 million and th- these numbers don't quote me on but five six hundred million um and fires getting 200 million or 100 million whatever it is and so that's the money that they're already set to get from the property taxes at the level it's at right I now gotcha. and then so then you look at what you owe and then it jumps 289 million dollars this year so it was say a combined 600 now they owe combined 889 i got it and so that's the unidentified revenue jump wow uh so with <laughs> muni with muni and laborers yeah, yeah we're in year two or three of the the rom ramp and it's uh we're getting additional money but that money's already baked in where your water and sewer taxes are going up predetermined mm-hmm. and so is a 911 so the unidentified revenue in addition is $289 million for the police and fire pension. And, and so meaning labor, there's no, no unidentified because no, it's already taken it's care already of. Taken care so of it's, you're talking $289 million on top of All the, the stuff money that's that, already taxes that are already levied. All there. right. And so, uh, and this does not deal with teachers' pensions. That's no, a separate thing. That's a whole separate thing. All right. Thing, that's yeah. looking at the board of ed. Let's put that to the side. It's a, what's one of those 14 line items on your property taxes? That is correct. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now we get to the casino yeah and as you educated all of our listeners and we appreciate you for doing that no and problem. i've noticed that the newspapers have, have taken a making this point yes they, they listen have. to you on the show uh it's all you uh that the uh the the casino the the revenues generated at a casino in chicago will be dedicated to the police and fire pension yeah from uh, senate bill 777 it is uh dedicated to go to police and fire revenue and i like the I always get this argument with the police and fire boys, but it's uh, yeah, the revenue dedicated, the revenue generated by a, a, a casino. So that kind of goes, you know, in contrast as far as like, well, there are this, the bill that was passed recently was a well, third, a third, a third. So maybe uh, maybe the exact wording is maybe city revenue or whatever. But you know, so that like there's a you know there well, could be an issue there. Well, that's what I'm getting into, and uh, so we had a bill passed. I forget. I've lost track of time, Jeff. Whenever the casino bill was passed in June, I want to say maybe give or take. Yeah, yeah. May. I think it was May. May, Right before they adjourned. Okay, 
uh, it was the last minute. I remember it was a Sunday. Uh, they passed the 800 page bill. Nobody read. They passed it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> that's where government in action. Anyway, they passed the bill. So we're going to get a casino in the city of Chicago. The state has approved the city of Chicago. Now, here we are, whatever it is, four or five months later. And uh, Mayor Lightfoot and, uh, is saying there's a report that says there's not enough money guaranteed for the operator of the casino in the city of Chicago to make it worth his or her while to invest in such a casino. We have to go back to the state to change the formula to give the um, the operator a greater piece of the pie. Yeah, so it's like, all right, who's going to take the loss? You know, the city or the state? And we're both looking across the table, pointing our fingers, hey, you, buddy. Um, and so I think there's... A, I. I professionally and slash personally think there's a lot of posturing going on from these casino. I mean, the casino uh, lobbyists are, you know, they're a big force. There's a lot of posturing going around that if you told them it was a billion dollars, they still would have said, oh, that's not enough. That's not enough. You know, I want a larger chunk. And wh- I always go back to the fights uh, when Daly wanted the casino, right? Mm-hmm. The whole issue was they never wanted Chicago to own the casino, right? And th- that's what I never really got. Why in this, I think people were just so happy that they were going to move on it. Yeah. They agreed to whatever the t- uh, terms were with this private owner stuff where the city could have owned it and just taken, uh, you know, have it a management company that manages other casinos done it. But I think they were so happy just to have, you know, just to get it passed. And they kind of just signed off on whatever. And then, obviously, the devil's in the details of 800 pages. uh, Page uh, 693 (laughs) is uh, the language there. Um, So I don't know how that's really going to play out, to be quite honest with you. Wait, so... I hate to sound naive, but my eyes are open. So you're telling me it's the old squeeze play. I don't know if you, no one in this room is old enough to remember uh, Jackie Gleason and the Honeymooners. The old squeeze play. That's what he would always mm. talk. He was going to squeeze. So what you're telling me essentially is the 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 casino operators realize that Chicago's in a pinch. They're expecting revenues from this casino. They to want pay to get up pay. as running as so, quick as possible. I'd, yeah, I'd like to help you out I'd, with this yeah. casino, but, but man, there's just not enough money here. Yeah. So who and, do you, yeah. who, who you think is going to blink in this one, Jeff? Who do you think is going to be the uh, city of Chicago, the state of Illinois? Uh, Lori's putting the pressure on the state. Yeah, She uh, wants them to change the formula so she can bring in some casino exactly. operator. Yeah, and that's where I don't know, you know, that's going to be one of those uh, 11th hour, I think, blinks. And to tell you right now, I think it's too hard to figure out, you know, if they just leave it as is and then tell the uh, casino owner to pound sand. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, and then, of course, the other thing, I, d- I don't think there's any way, obviously, that the, this casino will be in place in time to deal with these current budget obligations. No, no, God, no. You know, and, you know, there's uh, it's the whole city worker rumor that the old McCormick Place building is wired, has electric, electrical uh, circuitry to handle a pop-up casino. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you can have that up and running as quick as you can get semi-trucks dropping off uh, slot machines. So let's do it tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's the old rumor, but, you know, yet again, you get into logistics of where, what, why, how. Um, now, I have a question uh, This that just popped into my head when you said pop-up. Pop-up. All right. Does, uh, do we get... The money is supposed to go to pay off uh, police and fire. Correct. If it's not, if the casino's not operating this year, we have to raise the property taxes to pay off police and fire. Is it retroactive? Do we get money Ooh. to cover what? 
the property taxes. What I think would be done is they find $289 million this year. Okay. Uh, via whatever, you know, the uh, unicorn tax. And then <laughs> um, next year, casino's up and running. Uh-huh. I think what that does is it frees up space where they get, 200, say, $289 million. Who knows what the city's take will be, ultimately. And there's a lot of arguing back and forth there. But all that money that from the property taxes, because, you know, you can levy money and it doesn't necessarily have to go. You know, it frees up money to maybe give the muni part of the money that they need or whatever. So it, there's some wiggle room there I where see. if the casino money is dedicated here, all right, that goes there, but now it frees up $200 million to use for whatever. All right, well, let's get that pop-up at uh, McCormick Place. Let's, no messing around. You don't have to sign off a huge amount of money to a casino operator. Dennis, Jeff, and I could run that. That's uh, right, exactly. <laughs> It'd be like casino from uh, with a <laughs> Pesci and, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, great flick, by the way. All right, Jeff Johnson, so I guess yeah. we're going to take a brief break and we're going to come back. We're going to talk nurses strike, oh. strikes in general. Uh, what else? We got? Oh, automatic prerogative. We're going to put Jeff Johnson on the uh, hot seat here. What does he think about I'm automatic? I'm going to Google what automatic prerogative Yeah, I got to Google what the word prerogative <laughs> means. Uh, plenty more union and po- political talk ahead of us. We'll be right back. In general. Let me be clear. Uh, what else? We got? Oh, I don't see the provision. We will institute a $15 minimum wage in Chicago starting in 2021 and not wait till 2025. On August 20th, we implemented a hiring freeze across city government, and we are implementing measures to crack down on departments that have significant unbudgeted overtime expenses. And working with the chairman of city council committees, we have ended the practice where certain committees exceeding their budgets by hundreds of thousands of dollars as a matter of routine. City council leadership understands that everyone must live within their means, and I am grateful for their partnership. Each of these measures represents important, serious steps towards addressing our financial challenges. And come October, I'll address those challenges further in my budget speech. Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Get to know your city on one of Chicago Architecture Center's 65 walking tours. Hear the unforgettable secrets and stories behind Chicago architecture from our expert docents. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a tour right now. Oh, wow. Look at that building. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL resident. Attention Chicago innovators and creators, 2019 Chicago Ideas Week is coming soon. October 12th through the 17th, this annual Ideas Festival is back, and it's the largest, most affordable Ideas Festival of its kind. They bring in hundreds of thought leaders from around the globe and some local to share ideas and spark action all across Chicago. To get a better idea of what to expect, here's a bit of audio from last year's Chicago Ideas Week with special guest and Chicago comedian, Hannibal Burris. The real reason I came home is just because I was trying traveling a lot anyway. I wasn't in New York that much and I don't have a full-time job in New York. I work a lot, but I'm not in New York. So it was just like, I don't, I don't need to be here. 
anymore. And, I, and also, I just wanted to work on different stuff here in Chicago. So I have this center that I'm working on on the west side, Melvina Masterminds. It's going to be arts and, and then a tech program and after-school programming for uh, kids in the, in the North Austin area. So I just wanted to be back. There we go. October 12th through the 17th, it's 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Tickets go on sale to members on August 22nd and to general public September 10th. Once again, if you're an innovator or creator in the city of Chicago or even outside the city, you must join us for Chicago Ideas Week, October 12th through the 17th. For tickets and event information, head to chicagoideas.com. That's chicagoideas.com. And we hope to see you October 12th through the 17th Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Jeff Johnson, our guest, union man Jeff Johnson, we're talking pensions, going to shift gears, and uh, Jamie Andrade and Dave Feller will be coming in really soon, probably do some crosstalk with Jeff Johnson and uh, Jamie Andrade, state representative Jamie Andrade. The political know-it-alls from the northwest side will be in the <laughs> studio real soon. They know absolutely everything about politics, and they'll tell you all. And they're going to bring in their phones. We're going to be on Facebook, like three different Facebook lives. <laughs> Lord knows, so uh, the doctor's going to go get them right now. They're in the lobby. All right, Jeff Johnson, uh, you t- you were you were here earlier when you came in, you heard my Miles and I talking about strikes. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want people to be misled. Yes, strikes are an important tool for unions, but I could tell you right now from personal experience, it's a very difficult decision oh, that's uh, to what, go on strike. Yeah, I think people lose track of it's a last resort. I mean, that is the last tool in your toolbox when negotiations, when public media campaigns, when uh, everything's that you do. That's your last tool. Nobody wants to go on strike and you get jobs, especially like nurses. They get the importance of their job as far as taking care of patients and what that's going to do. But they know ultimately if they have to put the leverage to uh, UFC they, to ultimately help their patients. It's just one of the tools in the toolbox. I think that they're uh, exploring it uh, or looking at using. Yeah. And uh, I by the way, go. I'm with the nurses 100%. My attitude about strikes, and this has always been my attitude, I know how difficult it is to get uh, people to walk a picket line, mm-hmm. so I'm going to be with the workers. Just, yeah. I mean, the families, the, the kind of threats they're facing when they go on strike, you know, you don't have the money to pay the basic bills. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a very scary thing. It causes a lot of tension within a family yeah uh so i know it's not a uh, it's not an easy decision so with those nurses 100 percent uh and uh, speaking of potential strikes there's a potential chicago teacher union strike mm-hmm. your thoughts on that um i think right now it's still in a lot of the media rhetoric kind of phase you know there's negotiations going on but you know the negotiations are from my understanding i'll just from people i've talked to um a lot of it is still the 30,000 foot view issues of the strike. They're starting to get down to some of the issues. And I think some of the parts are like the teacher aspect to it from CTU and just their teachers. I think the city's kind of close enough on the same page, but it's kind of the other school services that seem to be the farthest away from where things are at. Yeah, I, you're talking about the jobs. Yeah, uh, jobs and, uh, you know, nurses and uh, janitors and everything. That's where it seems to be the furthest. Uh, In other away. words, uh, is it, we've talked about this in the show in other words the the salary issues they're relatively close like you know how much of a raise the teacher's going to get but then you get down to this fundamental issue Uh, this everybody agrees that we need librarians here in the public schools we need nurses in the public schools we need social workers in the public Mm -hmm. schools so are those 
contractually protected union jobs, which is what the union wants, or do you, are you just going on the promise of the mayor that yes, we're going to have these nurses in these schools this year? Yeah, and I think well, part of the issue is, and they're union jobs, but part of the issue is that there's not enough of them. So they want them in more schools. They want them in every school. You know, a nurse, a, a librarian, a, psycholo- a psychologist. Sorry, um, and that's where you're going to get down to this fight of how much do you have to. And you know, I still take. You know, I'm not going to say I take issue with, but when they privatized the school janitors. Uh, they went to, uh, I think it's three or four companies now. And so you had a, it was a city worker, or I say city worker, but it was uh, a union, uh, engineer, school operating engineers, 143. And at their height, and if anybody's listening, you can correct me, but uh, at the height, there were about 700 school engineers. There was a school engineer for each school. And I know a lot of these old school engineers, they took pride in their building. On a Sunday, if it was snowing or if it was cold, they'd go and uh, drive on their day off on Sunday evening, Sunday night, go start the boilers, and so that the school would be warm when the kids got there on Monday. They'd plow the snow on Sunday. It was their building. They took you know, that they took pride in their, their school building. And so over the years, they started kind of knocking them down. And well, now you're school engineer. Now you have two schools. And then it got to the point where then they started privatizing some of them slowly, but surely. And they privatized all of them as of, I think it's two years ago, maybe. And now they work for, they still work for, they're in a union. They just switched unions, but now they work for Aramark, Sodexo Magic. There's some other Hill Mechanical. There's a couple mm-hmm. of them. And when they did that, they kind of took the school janitorial uh, staff out of their control. Because like I said, it was the school engineer's building, cleanliness, uh, every operational aspect to it. And then they took the school janitors out of their thing. And there was a lot of hubbub about how schools were so dirty. Principals were starting to complain uh, because they had these roving, and I think they still do actually, these roving school janitors that uh, go around and clean up different schools. Yeah. And then they don't care. They're there for a thing, kind of, all right, dust, dust, leave. And, you know, <laughs> and, um, like, and then you, if you complain, hey, my school wasn't clean. Well, who did what floor? And then you got to call downtown. And so this whole thing got uh, kind of really just kind of it, it ran it got off the rails and part of it and then you took five at the time 500 i'll say good paying jobs out of our pension fund that were paying in money to our pension fund and so you privatize 500 jobs into a you know a private uh, account and there's a there's a lot of rumors going around but you know city workers gossip worse than uh, high schoolers uh <laughs> that they're going to unravel that aspect and bring them back into cps because ultimately there's more um how should i say supervision from a higher end if you bring them back in. Wait, break down that rumor. I haven't heard this rumor. Help me out with that rumor. Uh, that they're going to bring who's, back the school engineers. Who's the they? The CPS? CPS. Chicago Public School is going to bring back engineers as paid employees of the of Board, of Education, Board of Education. Who, as opposed to contract them yes. out. Uh, their contract ends. I guess the big, this is the rumor aspect. Their con- this this janit- or the school engineer contract ends in a year. or you, It's one year, maybe a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and you have to think about this angle too. And I I've said this before. Um, if you bring in old engineers that were already had 15, 20 years and they could just keep paying into the pension until they get whatever time. If you bring in new employees, these new employees have to work till they're 65 and pay 11 and a half percent. They're basically subsidizing 93% of their entire pension. Yeah. 
it's cheaper to bring them in yeah. than pay the contractor yeah. benefits. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it, but you're, I mean, you, you got to start this whole engine up again that you was running pretty good. And then you got to start it up again from the private. No, Sam Holloway, a friend of mine is a firefighter. He's a far left green. Uh, he's been on the show. Green, a green party type of guy, uh, voter uh, has pointed this out so many times. Uh, penny wise, pound foolish, you know, yeah. that saying. Yeah. And so it, mayors it, take uh, CPS employees who are janitors or engineers and, and uh, eliminate those jobs uh, by giving out contracts to private companies. By the way, I don't know how much money we actually save because whatever money we're not spending to a person who actually works in the school and lives in the city of Chicago and pays taxes in the city of Chicago by virtue of residency requirements mm -hmm. is lost to the boss of the company. Well, exactly. Yeah, You're still paying union benefits or union wages, union benefits, right, to these private companies. Uh, contractors, as well as the company, has to make some money. Uh, it's they get they the bottom line, right? So, how much are you really saving when you do that? Yeah. And that's where and you, nobody you, really knows. But you lose on the pension. That's what Sam would always point yeah. out that you're having fewer people paying, fewer employees paying into the yes. pensions. And you know, when for you know, from the CPS angle of it, when they got rid of 500 employees when they privatize, that's 500 unfunded liabilities on the books. So, hey, we saved money this year, but now with this new Tiers of pension, it's cheaper to bring in city employees than it is contractors. Well, I, I listen. Uh, I've not heard the rumor that they're bringing the engineers back. I have a hard time believing that. Yeah, I, you know it, it seems saying. a heavy lift. I don't know, but that, I've, I've gotten numerous phone calls on. Hey, have you heard this? And I can't tell if it's the one guy that's talking to eighteen <laughs> different guys or what. But yeah. Uh, by the way, one of my favorite stories when when the board of I used to get phone calls all the time from engineers and janitors because I wrote about uh, yes. this issue, and so they would call me up. You won't believe what they're doing now you won't so oh, i get yeah. similar calls yes. in the old days he says you won't believe what they and so they went they the, one of these companies had this mop it was like a waterless mop and, and this mop was going to magically eliminate one uh, aspect of mopping a floor and they were going to save time they had this <laughs> the only problem with the mop is it didn't clean the building <laughs> exactly yeah you save time all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you got a dirty building yeah. uh, but they were like oh this magic mop and this janitor's Ben, you won't believe this. They got this magic mop. And he goes, none of the janitors are using the magic mop because yeah. it's a worthless mop. And you know what's funny, too? You talk about, you know, <laughs> you you won't believe this. And at first, you're always kind of like, yeah, you're skeptical. But then you, the reality of what like whatever this person's selling is probably worse off than, you know, you won't believe this. Yeah, yeah you're like, whoa, you know. And the reality is worse. Anyway, so that'll be, uh, uh, I, 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 I've been predicting, uh, Jeff, that there won't be a teacher strike. Uh, I and I one more time. I predicted in 2012 that there wouldn't be a teacher strike. Boy, was I wrong was there! Wrong so that, my yeah. predictions are no good. I also predicted the Bears would beat the Packers yeah. uh, in Game One, uh, and to sell. But I just don't think there's no. I don't think so. I think that ultimately, you know, a newer mayor doesn't want a strike. You know, that's something that, you know, you're still trying to get your feet under you uh, in your administration. And, you know, not to say that that gives CTU an advantage, but, you know, they're not going to give away the house. But I think that there's a lot more willingness mm -hmm. from the administration side to kind of solve this. And then you're going to see that where that um, comes in uh, to negotiations. All right, uh, uh, Jamie Andrade and Dave Feller are in the building, so I'm going to close it up, Jeff, by asking you the question. No ducking, no dodging. Uh, Automatic go. prerogative. Is it a made-up issue, or is it a real problem that the city must confront? Uh, I think it's one of those. It got a lot of headlines, 
and out of the headlines, it's one of those like, oh, this is what people want. And I don't think it really has the effect of, you know, what they're really affecting city politics that much. You ask the average citizen about automatic prerogative and they're going to look at you and go, okay, all right, <laughs> what does uh, prerogative mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can I Google this please? Yeah. Uh, to- my humble opinion, total made up issue. I wouldn't put it top 20 problems facing the city of Chicago. I said top 10 before. You said top 10. I it's already dropped. 20. I think yeah. you get 20 problems in the city of Chicago right now before whether the alderman gets a say in zoning. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I would want my alderman to have the, yes. the alderman is that's why you elect an alderman yeah. you may not agree with the decision he makes then you work against them yeah i mean there's got to be some job functions that they have ultimately right you <laughs> that's know, a good point so. otherwise just get rid of them yeah. okay you know. all right jeff johnson thank you so much always fun talking pensions and politics jamie andrade and dave feller on deck we're going to bring them on after this hey everybody what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of jeff manuel Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J E F F M as in Mary, A N as in Nancy, U E L P I A N I S T.com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Today's Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by Green Element Resale. It's located at 6241 North Broadway in Chicago, and people, it is amazing. Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. until 7 p.m. Sunday, 12 until 7 p.m. It's a thrift shop, one of the greatest thrift shops in Chicago, if you ask us. I mean, they are sponsors of the show. That's probably why we're telling you that. But they are amazing, all right? Books, furniture, appliances, lamps, board games, so many things at Green Element Resale. You should go check it out. In fact, I'm at GreenElementResale.com at the moment. I'm taking a look at here at uh, what they got to offer at Green Element Resale. Oh, I see a jacket. A jacket, guys. Head over to Green Element Resale. Get a jacket right now. Oh, this thing's sharp looking. It's green. Not sure what the size is, but hey, go to Green Element Resale and find out if it's your size. Oh, there's a clock. I see a clock. Anybody need a clock? Well, go to Green Element Resale and get it. GreenElementResale.com, 6241 North Broadway in Chicago. It's amazing. Save money. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. State Representative Jamie Andrade, Dave Feller, the political know-it-alls from the Northwest Side. We got the know-it-alls, uh, Pogoshelsky and Kaplan. We got the South Side political know-it-alls. These two guys from the North, they came on about two months ago. 
ago, gentlemen, I think it was. It really has been one of our most popular bonus issues. People go, bring them back. So here they are. All <laughs> right. You, guys, can we just say something? I just really loved you in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, wait. You, you just look like Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. That's correct. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. Really briefly, uh, gentlemen, identify who you are. Maybe people didn't listen to the first interview where we talked at great length about your back backgrounds, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll start with you, Mr. Cup fan uh, over here, Dave Feller. Uh, my name is Dave Feller, um, Northwest Side uh, uh, proud. Uh, the hat I'm wearing today is I'm the president of the 38th Ward Democratic Organization. Okay. So. You're driving, I know you're driving Dennis crazy right now by opening that. Look at him. He's driving all these snacks. I figured. We got the loudest one, too. Good Lord, fellas. He's going crazy. Mark Sims brought us, uh, one of our guests brought us uh, all those lifesavers, and then guests would be opening the lifesavers instead of like, ah, the noise. Anyway. Every time we drink, we're going to be like. Yeah, yeah, it's going to drive him crazy, too. Good God. Better go get some reefer right now because it's going to be a long show. It's going to be right. a little bit of a hike for that, though, right? Uh, yeah, you're going to have to take... Uh, no, and, not really. Uh, 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 all right, Jamie, ta- introduce yourself to people. I'm the state representative for the Northside, Illinois 40th District, 40th District, Albany Park, Irving Park, Logan Square, Avondale. Okay. And we're co-hosts also. We, we have a Facebook Live show called Just a Couple Guys Talking. Okay. Yep. And uh, I call you the Northwest Side Political Know-It-Alls, but you call yourself Just a Couple Guys I call Talking. Just a Couple Guys Snacking. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that really picks up. Yeah. yeah so we're going to... Uh, so, Jamie, Miles, uh, our first guest today, Conflassen, was saying, ask Jamie about the pigeons. And uh, so please explain to everybody what he's talking about. Uh, pigeon gate. What's going yeah. on with you and the pigeons? So it's been like a two year. Well, it's, it's years and years, but I'm going to, it's a two year thing that I'm at, at now at this point. So I'll make it real short. I don't think we got two years, but basically old Irving park, Irving park, all those neighborhoods, Gipna, they complain all the time about the Meiji, I'm just saying, Pigeon poop, mm-hmm. not what I what I regularly say, just pigeon poop at Irving Park Blue Lane Station, which includes Plasky Avenue, Irving Park. It is so much, before the first time I cleaned it, it was literally a foot deep. What do you mean? You behind. personally cleaned it? Well, I, I organized the cleanup and stuff, but I do pay, I, I actually pay a guy, retired laborer, out of my political campaign to, to keep it clean because everyone was pointing finger CTA, I dot, C dot. I mean, just you, you name it, everyone, no one's getting anything done. So being from an all-manic office, I said, you know what, I got I to gotta figure it out. When you when you have those jurisdictional gray areas, it's easy to for responsibility to yeah. be, like, brushed off right. by somebody else. Right. Absolutely. So 2018, 19, I make some deals, get, get it going and stuff, you know, and, and I said, well, you know what, I need... I, I told CTA, how much money do you need to fix this problem? And so they just threw a number out there. You know, and I, so it was crazy. I said, you know what? Okay, I'm going to get you more. So I put in $6 million in the budget. But what I didn't know, and this is a, a fresh mistake, appropriation state of Illinois means nothing. Zero. Nothing. What do you mean? Appropriations means nothing. Wait, you appropriate money for $6 million to clean up pigeons and the money doesn't get to clean up the pigeons? It goes somewhere no, else? Appropriations means nothing. 
It doesn't exist. It's just, it's just, you can't even wipe your, you know, with, with that piece <laughs> so, of paper. So, you so, can't. So, 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 so I didn't re- know that. Revenue I, has to approve it, right? There, well, first of all, there is no revenue. There's nothing. All it is, appropriations, all it is, is ink on a piece of paper. Uh-huh. That's all. That Wait, all right, hold on now. Here, so how's the, the money, money, so I, yeah, how's the the money get? To, isn't that an order, essentially, no, ordering no. the money to be dispatched somewhere? No. Nope, nope, nope. That's what I thought. Yeah. In the city of Chicago, when something's in the budget, it ex- it's real. It exists. Not with the state of Illinois. All it is is, okay, Paul, we tricked you. Welcome to the General Assembly. It's in there. Figure out how you're going to get it now. All appropriations is, it gives the agencies and departments the ability to spend. That's all it means. I see. That's why the governor, I never understood Governor Runner. I said, just let the general assembly class, whatever you want, sign it and just don't spend it. Because nothing orders you. And just say, you, what, you said $5 million for welcoming centers? Tell your staff, nope, nobody did. He said, zero. That's yeah. what they're getting. I'm not spending it. So what happens is I get this, I thought, you know, I'm King Kong. Oh, man, I got, you know, $6 <laughs> million. Dollars. I get. And so next thing you know, I was asking stuff, former lobbyists, they were former, you know, budget guys, they said, welcome to the General Assembly. So in they other words, you. there's no state money, they tricked you, right. and, and meanwhile, the pigeon droppings are piling up. Right, they're piling up, everything's going, and so at the end of the day, and I and said, I said, no, no, I, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you, I said, I'm not getting fooled a second time, and plus I said, now you got a new governor. In there, I said, I need help. I, so then what happens is, okay, I finally get it appropriated, and then I start working. I meet with IDOT and everything. IDOT says, good job, kid. Um, you can't use that money for appropriations because it's tied to certain bonds. So that means you could only use it for construction. So, you know, I said, well, I still want the money. He goes, well, you don't have any. It doesn't exist. I go, but... Then they they finally I, they figured I'm not going away, and then what happens is, RTA tells CTA, listen, okay, <laughs> you have, you're just going to have to steal you steal from Peter to pay for Paul, you know if Jamie wants his six million, then you're going to have to steal from just going to cut another budget. I said no, 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 and so finally August 22nd, short long long story short, I finally you know after they figured I'm not going away, I August 22nd. RT is just a pass-through. I got RT is just a pass-through. So finally, the g- governor releases the money. Uh, he releases it, and they go, as I said, they first released $3 million. They said, it's not 6 I said, you know, you need, you need to do it twice. So finally, they, re- they release it. So have they cleaned up the station? No, because they said, I can't use the money for, for pigeon boom. So... I said, oh, I still want it. So they're going to give me, so what CTA is going to do with the money is is replace the escalator they took, get another escalator. And so then. The, <laughs> You're going to replace the escalator? <laughs> yeah, because I can't use the it. pigeon poop, right. not the escalator. Right. And so now I'm, 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 I'm at. All right. And so I'm, okay. And then I get pooped on while there. And it went viral. It went national. It, yeah. went, cu- it, went, it went global. <laughs> global. I said, it went global. Every. I, the guy, someone was like, why would it go global? I said, why wouldn't it? Who doesn't enjoy watching a politician get you know, on? That's hilarious, man. Oh, the bird really dropped. 
<laughs> Must have been a Republican pigeon. Yeah. Uh, it, it was Ken, a Ken Duncan fan. That's an inside joke. Uh, Jamie uh, one time took Ken Duncan's. Uh, well, anyway, it's a long story. All right, let's uh, get you guys on the record here on Automated Prerogatives. It's sort of the topic of the day. Dave Feller, I'm going to throw it at you. I say it's a made-up issue. and it, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's a contrivance. It's not even, I, first I said not even the top ten problems in the city of Chicago. I've now uh, broadened that as J- uh, Jeff Johnson was leaving the building to top 20 issues in the city of Chicago. It proves that the people in the city of Chicago will talk about absolute anything to avoid dealing with anything of importance that we face. Do you agree or disagree with me? I, I know you're looking for controversy and you want a little back and forth. I happen to agree with you okay. on, on this issue. No, I, I'll tell you, yeah. it's, it, it, it's a, not only is it a made-up issue, I think there's people that are involved in wanting to have the issue in front of people. Um, Look, every mayor that comes in, um, they want to centralize control of whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, this has gone back. The only mayor that probably didn't do it was uh, Kennelly, but Richard J. did it. You know, Byrne did it. Blandick did it. They all tried to do that. Mm -hmm. Richard M. really did it. Richard M. really did it. Really did it. Really did it. So, you know, it's... It's and there's people that are probably buying into it. The average citizen's like, "Oh my God, yeah, that's crazy." Uh, You know, this should be more streamlined and it should be centralized and blah blah blah. Till they need something, you know. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm telling you, people are like, "Man, we need to cut down this, cut down that." Until hey, I need an extra garbage can, or hey, my sewer thing, or hey. Pigeons are pooping over here. Yeah. Um, just cut the, pardon the red tape there, uh, legislative Moses. No, <laughs> it, it doesn't. Yeah. So you, you want, you want. Legislative the, Moses. Legislative <laughs> Moses. So you, you, you can, you can, uh, you, you want to strip people of, you know, their authority because uh, it, it, it makes a good soundbite or, or people that uh, are, are advancing that agenda. But then when you need them to do something, it's like, oh, no, give them back that power. Do you see it the same way, Jamie? Working at Alman's office twenty years, I got to. That was I, a yes I, or no. That was a yes or no. Yeah. It's it's. It, I think it's a very touchy subject. It is just a very yeah. touchy because because the issue is the people come and blame the Alman, not city council and the mayor. Sidewalk cafe, Alman has to approve it. it. Does business licensing know that that cafe is out there until two or three in the morning? No, so they can't. Sorry, it's not Alman prerogative. It's not up to you who gets it. Uh, this just happened. This just happened, and Alderman wanted to put diagonal parking in his in his in his new office, but you had to cut down some trees. They said, "Nope, you don't get any discretion no more. You're not you. You don't get to decide to cut down the tree." Sawa Cafes, uh, business signs. Remember, Fioretti got sued because mm-hmm. he didn't let he didn't like that sign. Uh, you talking about Alderman Fioretti, right? Uh, with the uh, what was it? Uh, the hot dog, the hot dog stand, stand with a, a felony friends. Felony friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. Felony. I gotta tell you, it's it's a very touchy subject because at the end of the day, they blame the Alderman for everything and anything. If the wind blows too hard, it's the Alderman's fault. <laughs> no, that's that's true. It is. And, and I, I, I think I think Lightfoot yeah. um, did things. Uh, in reverse, the the things that she did take away, the licensing, uh, the, the permitting, that should have been kept at the alderman's office. Because like you said, if there's a problem business, I want something done about it. I don't want to go down uh, to uh, down to City Hall and fight with that. Whereas zoning, you can make a case that, um, you know, a development here is going to impact this intersection down over here eventually somehow. So there should be some sort of... Um, 
overarching, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Overarching control, uh, not, con- not control, but like a, a, a grand blueprint, mm-hmm. you know, that all, all things kind of were working. Oh, you mean like a plan yes. in the city of Chicago, a plan, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> it's pretty so, radical idea. So, but, but as far as the other stuff that, you know, deciding whether someone gets a block party permit, why should some bureaucrat, die, um, you know, yeah. that should be done at the local. And I'll, I'll, I'll extrapolate this out a little further. I think things that don't require us crossing uh, ward boundaries, like you know, sewer projects and in 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 major uh, resurfacing of our arterial streets or whatever, but garbage collection, um, tree trimming, uh, curb and gutter, uh, rat abatement, that all should be done out of the ward yard, uh, out of the ward superintendent, because that person is appointed by the alderman who is responsible. Theoretically, to the people, but they changed that. They too. changed that. Rom we, changed. We, it. we, we, we should get rid of the, the get rid of the grid system. Go back to the. Oh my um, God! Do you yeah. believe, do you agree with him on that? Get rid of grid system. I'm telling you that when we had complete control of our 33rd ward, it mm-hmm. ran impeccable. He, all right, now just so everybody That's knows, uh, Jamie for years was an aide to Richard Mel. Alderman, the old alderman of the 33rd Ward, who spent most of the 80s and 90s feuding with me. I uh, just got to put that out there. Uh, we sort of made up in the O's. Uh, and uh, but So you worked for many years for Mel, and, and it's true. And Chucky that, Lamonto ran, and the Wardrobe they ran that like an operation. Like, you have no idea. Other words, like, well, why do they get the service? It's, it's not just that. It's the people who ran it. And you, at the end of the day, the alderman gets blamed for everything. Mm-hmm. Yes, maybe I don't know if it's more efficient. I don't. I, it wasn't more efficient than when how Thirty Third was ran because you had experience. Only in politics is experience a four letter word. Only in politics, and I got to tell you, Chucky and Pete and all our Noel are all our ward superintendents and was a foreman. They ran that impeccable and so efficient that people were saying. I'll add one other thing to that, uh, only in education. There was a time in about 10 years ago where all the charter heads were saying they want to get rid of tenure. They want to make teachers vulnerable to be fired like that. They wanted to replace experienced teachers with rookies who get paid far less. And I used to hear this argument from charter heads. They'd be telling me, oh, yeah, we get these young teachers in, get them to work for less. I'm like, what? What what venture in the world is experience just not valued at right. all? You know what I mean? Like in sports, you generally think I got to get through this first two years of a quarterback's, you know, breaking in before we can see the benefits. So we're just going to sort of get through this. But in education, it's a similar thing with politics. There's that reaction. Yeah. You know, I'm going to fuse these vertebrae together. Let me get somebody who just got out of medical school to do that. I mean, it's like once again, it's you know the the experiences. I will say this, though, and now uh, taking a contrarian view, Pat Quinn, the former governor, launched the initiative to have term limits in the city of Chicago. Uh, The voters got to vote on it, and they won't let us know what that outcome was. I could tell probably 99 to to (laughs) 1. I mean, who? Here. Yeah. Everyone wants term limits until they're like, hey, but... (laughs) <laughs> but Mel used to do this. Yeah. Well, you voted him out. But it's but you know every used to, everything's used to be. But the more you don't want him, you know it's. All right, let's uh, move on to the other subject that Jamie uh, sent me an email about today or text. He was reading my mind. Pot in the loop. I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> what the hell. 
<laughs> okay, we've legalized marijuana in the state of Illinois starting January 1st. We've cleared that hurdle, all right? Took years and years, but we've cleared the hurdle. But somehow or other, the city of Chicago does not want to sell reefer downtown. I don't get it. Explain this to me. I don't know. I didn't see it. I didn't read it. So maybe there's something I'm missing, but... It, Rich it, white people, upper middle class, they all smoke. Yeah, they, <laughs> they all, all smoke. And you, you want them to walk to the thing. I mean, that, that's no. The, what that, that the argument that Mayor Lightfoot made was that she doesn't that's want to offend tourists. So, in other words, like tourists that come to the hotels, and let's say they're walking uh, down the street and they see a marijuana store, and they'll be offended and go leave to I don't know. Where would they? Denver. <laughs> Denver, so they can yeah. buy it at the, yeah, at the, it, around the corner. It, it doesn't. <laughs> I, I, listen, if I was running things, I'd be selling it in the hotel. It's like, that'd be part of the deal. Uh, that is you a know? good idea. By the way, what about, did you, I don't know if it's Jeff Johnson's idea. I don't know if you heard this. He was on right before you. He was saying to get a casino up and going, just stick one in uh, McCormick Place right now. We could probably just run it now. Just boom. The, we, the, old, the old McCormick Place right, right on the lake. Yeah. What's yeah. your thoughts about that? Here, it. it the system's already there. The infrastructure's there. That's I mean, what he just, was saying. Yeah, yeah, the infrastructure's there. You know, I, I think it's still, I think even Brad Stevens still has the infrastructure in there, you know, <laughs> and all the wiring. But he's actually, you know, he's, he is actually a thousand times better off that he didn't get that casino. Because he has, it, right, he has that mall now. He has everything. He doesn't have to share all the revenue. The guys from River Casinos, well, they got to share, like, you have no idea much money you got to share. I'm going to tell you the thing with, with the casinos. And I can't take credit for, for this. Actually, there's a state representative, one of your colleagues, Marcus Evans, that actually kind of brought this up, that a lot of these towns um, or municipalities are fighting for the casino. They want it placed in their town. Mm-hmm. And, and he says that that's kind of in, incorrect thinking. Just because, you know, say this is Blue Island and you put the casino there, not necessarily Blue Island gets better. Actually, Blue Island may get a little worse because some of the stuff that's attracted to a casino you know, um, the type of element that comes in there is going to be right around there. You want to be like two towns over because you're going to be in a revenue sharing mm. relationship. With well, that, somehow or the other, casino. casinos haven't hurt Vegas. You know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's the casinos, is, Las Vegas is thriving. I just read it. Was, somebody wrote a letter to the editor of the Sun-Times today about she was a senior citizen. I can't remember her name. Was extolling the virtues of Las Vegas. She's moved to Las Vegas. Her property taxes are lower. Well, guess what is funding it? Casinos. So uh, somehow or other, the casinos haven't hurt Las Vegas. I don't know why we don't. If we're going to go that route, we should just get it going. And um, well, you know, I think historically, um, our, all of our our gaming type elements have been kind of adversarial with each other. Like the racetracks are like, well, this, yeah. is, this is our deal here. Oh, what and, about and, that? and then the the, the, yeah. the the casinos are like, well, no, the riverboats. This is our deal. If they all kind of sat down and got together. And everybody sort of, not to be sound sound gross, but everybody gets a little piece of the pie. It, it would make the thing a more unified approach. Would reap bigger benefits, I think. All right, uh, I have to ask you this one, uh, Jamie. You, are you still? You don't drive for Uber anymore, do you? Or do you? No, not not at this time right now. Uh, have you followed what's been going on in California? Have you seen this? No. California, state of California, passed a law uh, that would recognize Uber. That would force Uber to recognize its drivers as employees. employees not private uh, uh, contractors you're shaking your head. What's your thought on that? I, so the problem with that is is I no one decides my hours. If when I was driving, it was Jamie Andrade, just if I want to work a minute, I work the minute. So I, I know some of the unions there, but I just, how am I, 
a direct employee, if they have zero, zero effect of how I work and how many hours I work, it's all up to me. It's all up to me. It's in complete control. I, I set up an LLC. I, I did that. Uh, and it just, an employee is you have some control over him, some control. The only control you have is, is you know, the GPS, how fast you go. Hey, you're driving too fast. But, but how are they an employee if you have zero control of their hours that they work? You know, the government's the only one that says, yep, you only can work 10 hours in the city of Chicago. So that it. Well, uh, do they have guidelines, though, for Uber? Like, you know, you can't have a. Well, your car has to be under under a certain age, and well, the, it has they, to be if clean, it was, I, I trust me, I think if it was for Uber or there, they'd be like, "Hey, does it turn on?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. But just the city of Chicago actually made it stricter than everyone everyone else. I, I'm actually uh, I'm with the the unions and uh, the state of California in this one, Jamie. And I'll mm -hmm. tell you why. When you did when you went to work for Uber, I remember because I wrote about it. Mm -hmm. uh, that was at the time when Ronner wasn't paying. Right. Uh, state reps. In his infinite wisdom, he was going to blackmail state reps into voting for his anti-union legislation by not paying you. That right. was his great decision. I think someone continued that, too. Just What's that? Someone else continued that, too, not paying me. Uh, who else continued that one? Oh, the next controller. Oh, the next controller. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, but um, the um, I, are you talking about the current controller? Well, were you asking Whoa, about Uber? Something that you just dropped on me. Uh, All right. But so you went to work for Uber. Uh, to make the money to pay your bills at that time. Uh, but you knew in the back of your mind that eventually some sanity would come uh, to the state of Illinois and you would start getting paid again. So you had certain assurances. Yes, the judge demanded we get paid Yes, again. a judgment. So you had certain assurances that many Uber drivers didn't have. And that's why, like, the flexibility issue was really important to you. If you had to pay, uh, if, you, if you had to worry about um, using Uber to pay for your uh, health care, your mortgage, your kids' education, uh, and all the other day-to-day -day expenses that everybody has, you might have a different attitude about it. So make me an employee then. That's what I'm saying. Just, yeah, yeah. But say, okay, Jamie Andrade, you have to drive from nine to five, and this is how much you're going to make regardless of what. That's all, I, I'm okay with that. Then I'm an employee. Yeah. Make me an employee. That's what the law does. Right. Then, you know, I have no issues with that. It's either that or there. But I would have to say there's 80, I think someone told me there's 80,000 people eligible to drive as as uh, Uber and Lyft drivers or whatever, ride sharing. I got to say probably only 10% do it full time. What's what's going to change the model? So mm -hmm. in California, so they want to become unionized and get well companies? there 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 is a movement to uh, unionize the uber and lyft drivers uh this is I, they're almost like getting ahead of themselves uh the state is saying that the uber and lyft the uh have to treat and gig employment the, the gig economy companies are going to have to treat their workers as employees not contractors and so if you treat them as employees their rights to benefits that employees get like you get because you work right. for the government or you get because you work for the state so like unemployment compensation there's laws that prevent them from discriminating against you maybe good health care benefits maybe a union retirement fund uh there's just rules and you're governed by the national labor relations board in other words yeah. so in other words if you just treat person like a contractor like you hire somebody to, I don't know, paint your wall and you just pay them 
$500 and he goes on his way, then they're exposed. They don't have, and meanwhile, these companies, their entire business model is resting on treating their employees as contractors. As contractors. I gotta tell you though, I, 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 do, I do take a lot of Ubers and, and, and you know, most people that take an Uber, they, they're in their own little bubble. They're on their phone, they're looking out the window or whatever. I'm a gabber, I like talking to people. And I, I gotta tell you though, a lot of people that drive Uber, they like the flexibility. That's why they're doing that job. So if, if you say, hey, you're going to be an employee now, and here's the, your set hours, they're going to be like, no, I, I go to school. I, I got my kids I got to take care of. I, I, I'm at uh, school. I got this. I'm, you know, that, that's, they want to be locked in. That's, and that's the thing here. Either treat me as an employee or there. But I, I had I had an Uber driver come to me and he says, listen, we have to limit how many Uber drivers because I'm not making money. I said, excuse me? He goes, yeah, but there's too many of us drivers now. I said, you didn't care about that when you took the job <laughs> away from the taxis. That's a very good point. I said, I said wait a, a second. Point, I yeah. said, don't be a hypocrite. He goes, what, you call me a hypocrite? I said, yes. You did not care. Yes. You did not care about the taxi drivers. correct. And so now you want me to limit how many Uber drivers are? I said, you know what I'll do? Why don't we just get rid of all ride sharing, and then we'll go back to the taxis. Is that what you want? He goes, well, no, no, not that. I just want you to help me. I said, oh, okay, no, sorry. Yeah, you're getting at a very basic point. People are looking out for number one. Right. And uh, it's really hard to come up with public policy when everybody's just looking out for number one. Uh, But, uh, no, in general, Dave, I, I think that that's not a sustainable in industry uh, that people can raise a family on that people can thrive on and that uh, so if you have a total industry that's based on what as Jamie was just saying unlimited people can work there uh, who cares what impact it has on taxi cab drivers who cares what impact then I don't know it's it's kind of hard to, to build like to have a thriving city or state or town. I, I just, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, unfortunately, just, you know, when you say how, looking out for number one, I, I when I look out for me, where, where you live, you can walk out and you your options are, are flush. You got public transportation, you have a taxi cab, or you have Uber. Where I live, which is not that far from you, there are no taxi cabs. If, 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 if Uber and Lyft didn't exist... I don't have taxi cabs either anymore. And in fact, it's funny because I st- when I I don't even have the Uber or Lyft um, app. App. I the only I, yeah I'm way behind the times. So I've never taken an Uber or a Lyft on my own. I've been with in an Uber mm-hmm. or Lyft with friends, uh, but uh, I've never taken it on my own. So I use cabs. Like the, like when I come from the doctors, I have to get here. I'm looking for a cab. There's never any cab. I, oh, I just took a cab here. It was it, it was right, I got, I got, the, down I got down. the Green Line at Morgan. Yeah. And instead of walking, I'm a chubby guy. Yeah. I took a cab. When I, it was worth the six bucks. I was working the the graveyard shift uh-huh. and I was doing Uber. You know, when when you and you, let's say I end up in Englewood, it kind it just it just it started pinging there because there's no one there. Yeah, and I and I hear some of the Uber guys, they drop someone off there, then they turn it off and they come out. They've, I've seen that happen. I said no. I said, listen, if they want to steal my 2001 Chevy van. Go ahead. <laughs> I said, go ahead. But, but take I take it. Take it. But I I. All right, let's shift to... uh, has helped out those areas that there's no taxes. Well, that's a whole other issue. Uh, You're absolutely correct. I I remember writing about that one in the reader uh, many years ago. Uh, All right, let's let's talk about national politics. The last time you gentlemen were in, uh, you were saying you were leaning, as I recall, toward Joe Biden. 
that was my memory. It's been a while. Uh, has has anything changed? You got to watch the debates. You've seen things unfold. Uh, where are you? Where's your head at right now in the Democratic uh, primary? I wish I would have done my homework on this. I, I've been in the interest of full disclosure. There's a state senate race that's going on where I live. Uh, with a guy that comes on your show a lot. Martwick? Rob Martwick. <laughs> Who's just in the show last week. Yeah, and I'm heavily invested in that race, and that's what I've been um, you know, concentrating on 24-7. But I got to tell you, I still like Uncle Joe, but... Um, I like Uncle Joe, but I don't think anyone else is. You know? I mean, he's... Is he going to get... Um, is he going to get... People that that we all need to come out and vote. Yeah. Is he going to get them jazzed up? Probably not. Oh my God! Yeah. If Uncle Joe is losing Dave Feller's vote, he's in trouble. Yeah, you were the yeah. one guy that came on our show yeah. and said he went for Biden. Yeah. I still listen. I, I still I still like Uncle Joe. Yeah. And, and I you know, my niece I, loves him. Yeah, I like certain age. I like Mayor Pete. But just but yeah. just imagine, uh, just imagine the, the debate between him and Trump. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people <laughs> that are going to be like they'll they'll tune in for the entertainment value. Yeah. But most people, I think, not most people, some people, a sizable chunk of the Democratic. A primary electorate are going to be like, click, you know, they're going to be like, eh. Do, do you know what I feel like? I feel like I can't even watch. There's just too many people. I'm wasting my brain cells until until someone actually, there is someone clear. It just, if, if fake, I have school, I have this, I got the state rep race, I got the state center, I got, I got all this other stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, how much energy do I even want to spend on this early presidential race that there's no one that clear. I yeah. mean, it just, it's making me... So you're saying, holding off until we're down to one, and you're going to support one. that one. Not that one, but I think it, it gets... Once once there's... here At this moment, everything is so spread out. There's there's just... I don't think anything's going on. There's not one person that, that's going to... It just stands and, out. And, and, I, just, and I, th- I think the, the, the strange thing that's going to happen is as we get closer to that and people, some of those candidates are going to face the realization that, um, oh, I got to do something here. Then they're going to start seeing wacky stuff in order to say, well, this will propel me out of that pack, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, and what that goofy stuff is, we can only guess. It'll probably be stuff I like. If it's wacky, it'll be right. probably something. But, All right. but we can't, if you, if you go in thinking, I'm going to out-wacky Trump, yeah, you can't do that. How about him going to New Mexico? I thought that. Oh, that what was, did you think about? We talked about oh that at length yesterday. I got to, as I said, it's unreal. It's just unreal. Who Trump? No, Trump. It's not Trump. It's just, but what people don't realize, I said, and I said, I said, there is a large population, unfortunately, of our country that think the way he does. You know, in, in certain areas, you know, it, it just it just happens. And I think to myself, you know. Uh, you don't have to go all the way to New Mexico. There's a lot of right, people right. out where I live that think the way he does. Well, yeah. no, what, what when Trump went to uh, New Mexico, I think it was Monday. I've lost track of time. He gave a speech. And he's, he, he was saying that this was going to be his speech where he began the initiative to win over Latino voters, Hispanic voters. And. He went on these diatribes about people coming in from the southern border uh, and their criminals, et cetera. The same old, same old. And his attitude was, this is what I got to say. This is going to win over Hispanic voters. And go ahead, hon. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something. The Latinos in the, the, the uh, Latinos in, there is a portion 
in New Mexico in by the borders, they don't want those Latinos over here because they don't even consider themselves like Mexico. There is a portion of there saying that they're probably with them. Hey, they're coming over here and they're taking all our stuff. I mean, I, I in my district, Mauricio, he's like saying they got to stop coming over. He goes, you know, I, my, I had to pay for my daughter's education. I mean, it's crazy. I said, but, but if they think that here in, El, in Irving Park, Albany Park, you imagine what they, they think in At Texas? ground zero, yeah. In Texas? Yeah. Well, that's the old uh, theory. I, I've heard this in land uh, zoning disputes for many years when I used to write about these things all the time. Follow me on this, Dave Feller, Jamie. Uh, so... The, uh, there'd be a development that would take a beautiful tract of land and turn it into a housing complex of some sorts. And then five years later, some other developer would come up with a plan down the road where there's a meadow, let's say, to put in another account, a housing complex. The people who live in the first complex will be up in arms at the zoning meeting saying, don't put that other complex, it'll destroy the meadow. Right. But they're living in an old meadow. So it's like, okay, I got here, lock the gate now. That's and, what happened to Burnett recently. Uh, Walter Burnett, the yeah, alderman? It just happened to him. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, it, even closer to us, there's a, a development at Six Corners, uh, the the point that is um, used to be an old bank building. Now it's a hole in the ground. Yeah, over Bank there. of America. Yeah, the Bank of America building. And by my house, there's a vacant lot that um, the alderman there wanted to build a storage facility and then give the developer $3.5 million worth of TIF You talk about uh, John Arena? Well, there was um, mine. Mine was um, Viegas is the alderman like me. That so there, the developer wants three and a half million dollars worth of TIF money to build a storage facility. Ah, okay. Like yeah. So <laughs> all these people, and there's a little subcontext. So all these people that were um, anti John Arena people were saying, uh, that, that, "Yes, you should use that TIF money for development. It's great. That's a great idea. This is an economic engine. I don't know how a storage facility is going to be an economic <laughs> engine, but whatever. Yeah. But now the thing over at the point." Because uh, John Arena was for that thing, yeah. they're against it, and they're saying, "Oh my God, this development is ridiculous. There should be no development." I'm like, it's the exact same people just flip flopping on two different parcels. We what we have to do? We're gonna have to bring John Arena in the studio when you're here and have a debate. How about that? You can debate that issue. Would you be up for that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, it's a kind I, of an old I'm, issue. I'm not. I'm not. Um, uh, see, here's the thing: those people that were coming over to my neighborhood. And, and telling me what it should be built by me, I don't go over by them. I don't live by Six Corners. I live by, uh, you know, by Addison and Austin. So, yeah, not tremendously, not a million miles away, but I don't live there. So I'm not going to go stick my nose in that stuff. Whereas those people had no problem doing that. Uh, all right. What was the uh, Alderman Burnett thing you were alluding to? <laughs> Alderman Burnett, he, he, there was a, a zoning meeting he had, and then they came after him at a meeting, and, there, and they said... Listen, oh, yeah, but you took donations for him. The guy's like, listen, I don't need this. He got a bluff. He goes, you know what? The building behind you was yelling at me for letting your building yeah, be built. Yeah. yeah, he said, so oh, now. Is this, is this the lakefront thing where it's going to be built? No, that one's yeah. a different one. That's, That's a, different a different one, too. One, yeah. But that one, too, those, those members. Uh, oh, no, that lakefront thing that you're talking to is going to be. We're, we'll have to bring you back to talk about that one. I think you're talking about the one that's uh, just uh, west of of Soldier Field. Is that what you're alluding to? There's going to be a huge fight over that deal. No, I think you're talking about the one right by it, like Waveland, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. We've got so many development deals yeah, flying around because, here. Here, 
no one, everyone's okay once there's, but no one wants it until there. Light here's, is not a right. People here, here, don't know that. Here, here, light is the, not a right. Here's the lake. Here's the building. Empty lot. They're building a building right here in front of these people, and they're paying you know a lot of money. And now they're, they're Donald like, Trump did that in New York City years ago. I remember this reading about it when I was visiting New York, visiting my relatives uh, who lived in New York. Donald Trump did that. He built a building that blocked somebody another building's view, and they fought him in court. He prevailed. He was able to build his building, yeah. but uh, the concept of light is it's not, not a right. right. It's not, uh, Jamie. You're not going to win many aldermanic elections articulating. No, no, that I'm just, yeah. but yeah. I don't want to be. Honest, but I'm just telling you, I just saw it. Yeah. People believe it's a right. Yeah, light is a difference between light and there's a difference between view. View. So people think they're saying, "Oh no, I want light." No, you don't. You don't want light. You want you want to be able to look at the lake, but you didn't. You didn't, it's not in your covenant that nothing's going to be built there. So that's that's. there's a big difference. There's a big difference. You know, yes, you have to have zoning code and building code makes you, you have to have a window. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't say you have to have some coming through it. You know, so it's not my opinion. I'm just saying what, what, what the courts have said. All right, very good. We've pretty much run down the list. I see the clock. we got to get out of here. Jamie Andrade and Dave Feller, tell folks where they can follow you on Facebook, your show, uh, Just a Couple of Guys. Where can they fo- find it? Uh, well, they can find it on my page, uh, David M. Feller, or... Or on my page, too, Jamie Andrade. Well, we, we, we do a show. It's, it's called Just a Couple Guys Talking, Facebook Live Show. It's shared on both of our pages, and and uh, hopefully our friends share it. Right. Hopefully. hopefully. Maybe we could have you come out to the uh, Golden Nugget at, uh, at Trip and Irving. Get some what, did you say? Chicken what? Cream chicken, of chicken rice. Oh, cream I love chicken cream rice. of chicken rice soup. Are you kidding me? I'm there. I, I think yeah. I've been to that Golden Nugget, oh, actually. Yeah. I got three of them this week. Uh, anyway, Jamie Andrade, Dave Feller, thank you very much. also want to thank Jeff Johnson. He did a great job, as he always does, uh, breaking down pensions. Miles Conflossum was in the show earlier. He's a big fan of yours, uh, uh, Jamie, and he knew all about the pigeon thing, and I didn't even yeah. know about it. So but there I you go. I have, have to, on the whole of the show, but a, a question. I, I, I wanted your opinion on something later on, but we got to figure. I got to figure that out because I just I don't understand it. So hopefully you'll be able to. Make me understand it. It does. What does it have to do with? Tax credits. Tax credits. Because, oh, my God. Yeah, and the TIF tax credits. Oh, yeah, I can stuff. talk about that all. So I understand it, but I just don't. I don't see it like other people see, but I, I'm, I'm curious to see it. All right, I'll get to that some other time. And, of course, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois. Back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning because he's so Ma- fast. Madison County. <laughs> Madison yeah. County, now 618. Uh, now he can eat his Cheetos. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of uh, Petty Cash, Dr. D. See you tomorrow, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com forward slash pages forward slash Jarofsky, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download podcasts. Downloaders, you know we live stream this show, right? It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel, and we're now Facebook live streaming at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y.